you're kidding me. Michael, are you going to try to beat Bret Hart with a sharpshooter? Yes, he is! Are you kidding me? Some would say, I screwed Bret Hart. Bret Hart would definitely tell you, I screwed him. I look at it from a different standpoint. I look at it from the standpoint of the referee did not screw Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels certainly did not screw Bret Hart. Nor did Vince McMahon screw Bret Hart. I truly believe that Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. And he can look in the mirror and know that. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening or watching from. This is Chain Wrestling Live with Mags and Sai, a Radio Tacos production. I am the bunged up and sneezy Sai, and with me, as always, is the Brett Screwed Brett. To my Sean's apparent regret, yeah, okay, he doesn't regret shit, does he? Let's be honest. <laughs> the WWF Backstage Conspirators. To my angry list of listeners. My goodness, Magsy. Our lot are a narky bunch, aren't they? All the responses we got to this this week. Oh Jesus Christ, some of the some oh. of the, the the pet peeves that they had. Yeah. Well, but we will get crazy, to that. Crazy. A podcaster who is the only Coco Beware stroke Davros impersonator in the world. It's a very niche market and he makes some money from it. <laughs> Lord Mags, how are we this week, my friend? Exterminate. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing good, uh, especially considering I apparently had now have no legs. Um, Matt from uh, Five Nerds, keeping up that that story totally concocted in his own head that I have no legs and that equals untold podcasting riches, apparently. But yeah, I'm doing good. Yourself? Apart from basically my face being on fire, yeah, not too bad, mate, to be fair, not too bad. You know, had a, had a pretty decent weekend, didn't do masses, but it was still, well, no, say that, I didn't do masses. Full gear, mate. What a show that was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was the all singing, all dancing um, magnum opus that uh, a, a lot of kind of uh, wrestling Twitter claims it to be. Uh, it was a great show. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, there were things that peeved me about it, but yeah, I had a good time. And finally, we've got that kind of a... Uh, Three year almost arc of of Hangman Page being the 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 man who was pinned to be the 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 AW World Champion. So yeah, a really good show. Enjoyed it. Yeah, I really really enjoyed it, mate. Um, it was it was good as well because I got to watch it live, and my youngest daughter who watches the shows with me dozed off 
towards the I mean it's you know, mm -hmm. for those who aren't aware in the UK it's on till five o'clock in the morning over here. So yeah. Charlie kind of dozed off about half past three-ish in the morning, I think, and re-watched the rest the next day. So I got to watch her reaction to Hangman Page winning the title rather than uh, watching it oh it was so it's just lovely mate it's lovely yeah and and, and the video that you shared in in the techers uh group dm that it kind of uh, hammers on why we are wrestling fans yeah because of totally. that kind of reaction yeah we may get uh become like old and wizened and di disillusioned and and think we know more about the business than than really we do but it's that reaction from from your little and just how excited she was um yeah that that's why we all become wrestling fans yeah totally and i'm now going to be a wrestling fan who's who's probably in trouble because charlie was totally unaware until you just said that i recorded her reaction oh, and even even less aware of course that i shared the video with everyone at radio techers so yeah i imagine if she's in the chat charlie give me a shape she's gonna uh, kick my ass yeah. later so <laughs> Sir, screwed sir. What can I say? Yeah, there you go. This week, my goodness, don't we have a massive bumper, huge episode, Magsy? Absolutely well, we fantastic. Do. I mean, we, we had to do something to compete with the, the monolith match of England versus San Marino. So, yeah, yeah. we have brought our air game today. I am so over international football, man. Well, the qualifiers and the friendlies and all that, you know, tournaments are great, but England play in the likes of. I don't know. It's, it's like eleven farmers, in it, isn't it, and stuff like that. And it's like <laughs> Harry Kane with one week's wages can can buy their entire village and stuff. It's just like nonsense, you know. I mean, they they're making a huge deal of him scoring four in the first half. I think that's the first time that someone scored four for England since nineteen ninety three. I think it was Ian Rat. But like, yeah, I was getting Marino as well. Yeah, he scored four against. Farmers and policemen mm. and and part-time firemen. So, it, I mean, someone of his calibre should be scoring four goals as a minimum. Yes, so. totally. But there we go. Enough about the football. No one's here to hear about that. No one's here to hear about that. Maybe people are here to escape from that. I mean, we can always keep you updated. We can do a WCW and give you what's happening on the other side oh, so you can stick shame. around. <laughs> good shape. When they bring on Jack Grealish or something for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, that'll put butts in seats. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've used that line so many times. It's 7-0, uh, by the way. 7. Yeah. See, it's just it's just a waste of time. Catch the goals on match of the day. Stick with us and have some proper entertainment. Not watching yeah, millionaires exactly. strolling around a football pitch. Just exactly. bloody nonsense, mate. Bloody nonsense. <laughs> anyway, our non-wrestling topic this week uh, came to me via the wife virtually mm -hmm. straight who's, after who's in the chat right now uh, yes. along with our the rest of our loyal family um matt willis is he's been in since 20 to 9 this guy is it, dedicated uh our our buddhist scottish danny who uh i might have a little bit of a, an announcement about uh some future plans with him towards the end of the show uh sharon's Ooh. in um, Dan Griffin, hello, sir. How are you? Uh, Connor McCabe, hello to you as well. Um, Brett, screw Brett. Well, we'll get there. I'm sure we'll. Chris, give you some uh, medical advice. Get a Benny Knock down you and you'll be all right. Get a what? Bene Benny Knock. That's Benedictine and hot water. It's it's a uh, horrific, right, right. horrific drink. 
Yeah, the, no. the only really sells here in Berlin. <laughs> nobody else right. drinks it. They used to sell it at the shop I worked at, but you're right, nobody bought it. Yeah. According to QR a few years ago, Burnley, uh, and specifically the Manor's uh, pub, uh, accounts for like 90% of the worldwide sales of Benedictine. <laughs> Where is it made? Is it made in Burnley? No, I think it's something like um, Belg- a Belgian monastery or something like that, or a, a Swiss monastery. Uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's only Ber- people in Berlin who buy it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's absolutely horrific, but it's always used like if you're going out and you've got a bit of a cold or a stuffy nose, the first thing that people in Berlin say is get yourself a Benny or not. It's revolting. It's absolutely yeah. revolting. They missed the trip there, really, aren't they? Thinking about like you know, um, logistically the cost of transporting their goods. They should just uproot the monastery and put it in Burnley, and then they haven't got to pay for distribution, are they? Well, I mean, that makes sense, but it might be hard to shift a monastery from like, way, Belgium or wherever to, to the UK. <laughs> brick by brick. <laughs> yeah, brick, brick by brick by brick. Just right on the side, one, two, three, and an arrow, and just move and build brick by brick, brick, brick and rebuild it, and you get to... 14,000. Who's got brick 14,556? <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing a window here. What's, the, what's going on? <laughs> oh brilliant uh okay so our non-wrestling topic this week was um yeah like i said brought to us by my good lady literally straight after last week's episode funnily enough and it didn't matter what i tried to think of I, normally i'm sort of at work i'm doing other bits and bobs and ideas pop in my head and magsy sends ideas across i send ideas across the magazine we discuss what we might do this week it was literally that's the only thing that was in my head i couldn't think of nothing mm-hmm. else so when i sent it to your mags it was like well yeah let's do that that sounds great yeah, so because there was no other ideas on the docket. Yeah, like, exactly. like you said, it, once that once that idea was implanted in your brain, it was such a good idea that mm. everything else kind of like paled, I suppose, or you couldn't really think of anything to to match up to that. So yeah, it was a great idea. Even that, Pro- I just thought sorry, that I'll do it. I'm being P. lazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So a little bit of both. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, Basically, we are looking at what makes people unnecessarily angry. What little thing, and it's kind of inspired by my partner in crime here's hatred of bubbly chocolate that no one else can really understand. I know. know. But what kind of inspires that that rage inside you? What really gets your blood boiling? What what boils your piss? What grinds your gears? Okay, And, and, and the best thing we were looking for really was what annoys you that other people don't really get? I mean, we had some people sending in stuff that just pisses them off, which was which was excellent. <laughs> but then we also had other people sending in stuff, like I said, that other people may not necessarily understand why they get so cross about it. And we had so many responses, Mags, didn't we? It, mm-hmm. we, we? We have a angry, angry group listening to us. Yeah, I mean, these topics are cool, but it brings out the the, the vitriol and the hate from our from our families. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, by the way, it's 8-0 now. Uh Matt and Dan doing the the Lord's work. Tyrone Mings, who's, who's stealing the living as an Aston Villa player, never mind playing for England, has got in in the goals. I used to know his dad. Uh, well, I'm sorry for your loss. No, he played for Gloucester City. Uh, no, no, I don't mean he's dead. I don't mean I used to know his dad, and he's passed away. No, he used to play for Gloucester City in the nineties, and I used to work at Gloucester City when I was like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, and his, his dad, A.D. Mings, played at front. And there's a, still a big flag now the, at the T end, uh, the Gloucester City end of the ground, that says A.D. Mings, but he can't help it. Was here. 
no, AD Mings, but he can't help it. And that's what they used to say, you know. And it's uh, he was he was pretty half decent goal scorer, not bad. Like score one of the most important goals in our history in front of four thousand sellout fans, mate. Four thousand sellout at Edo Park, brilliant stuff. Great, great news. Well, I have no, I have no issue with the, them as people. I just don't think Tyrone Mings is a good footballer. He keeps James Tarkovsky out of the England squad, and that's ridiculous. Do you think that's because Tarkovsky doesn't sound like he's English? Well, it's because he plays for Burnley, and Burnley are very unfashionable as a team. But with a surname like Tarkovsky, he could be like playing for Russia or somewhere, couldn't he? Or... I think he's got Polish ancestry. I think. Okay. Chris in the chat may be able to enlighten us more. Okay, okay, no worries. We're back on the football again, mate. I don't want to talk about <laughs> You want to talk about what pisses everybody off. I'll tell you what pisses me off, football, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had an incredible response. And added to that, we have possibly one of our biggest, most untapped wrestling topics, for us anyway, that won the poll that we'll get to later. But it turns out Mags and I have both done a little bit of extra research this week because we're bloody professional and good at what we do. Yeah, so so for context, what I normally do when we're talking about the, the, the matches, I take bullet points just to kind of like remind me of stuff that I wanted to, to, to mention. But other than that, I free form it. Um, but, oh, it's, by the way, it's now 9-0. Uh, with Bellingham getting on the on the score sheet, I think we've got a bit of a competition in the chat between Matt and Dan to see who can uh, who can give us the scores first. But yeah, nine nil now England. But yeah, I, I, I tend to take um, uh, bullet points rather than like make huge like wads of of, of notes. But there's so much to uh, dive into yeah. in the in the law around this match that I've, I've got a kind of full full spreadsheet of, of stuff that are, of points that I want to talk about. Uh, and that's before we even get to the match. And I've got paper. <laughs> <laughs> you reverted back to the dark ages. I am, oh, mate. I, it gets on my nerves from opening these windows and all this sort of stuff, you know? So, and Sharon is 100% spot on in the chat there. This is a wrestling podcast after all, despite what numerous people may think that, you know, we normally go an hour and a half and end up spending talking about wrestling for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to do that. We do that every week without fail. That is true. That is true. Just to be clear, I'm keep muting my microphone because I'm feeling a bit grotty. So if I if at any stage I'm talking and you can't hear me, Mags, give me a shout and let me know that I've not unmuted myself. <laughs> I will. I will. It's going to happen. Okay, so we shall do what we normally do and run through Twitter. Uh, well, not just Twitter. I had a couple of um, WhatsApp messages. We actually had yeah. somebody comment on Facebook as well, Mags. So yes. I'll run Let's through all of these. Uh, in oh. the order they arrived into us. By the way, uh, it's still 8 no. Bellingham's goal was ruled out for offside. <laughs> cool. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> we will start with Radio Tekka's buddy Chris at Chris underscore BFC underscore. He says, and the first one is football orientated, uh, not beating the first man on a corner. Yep, that annoys me, drives me mad. Yeah, people cracking I, I their agree. knuckles. I mean, that one, I do that all the time. I, I can't help it. It's just a, a um, kind of habit I have, but. Yeah, I, I can understand why it winds people up. Our lives is terrible for it. Uh, every joint in her body, she'll stand there and just go click, 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 like she's unfolding herself. It's, you know, really, really bad. 
and and it, and it is a myth that uh, you end up with uh, arthritis because of it. it just drives me nuts, though, mate. Just just sits there and I'm just hearing it. Just crack, crack. I mean, crack. I'm I'm tempted to crack my knuckles now just to to wind everybody up, but I'll I'll hold on. <laughs> uh, Chris says yes. Not being the first man on a corner, people cracking their knuckles. Matt Willis. That's a popular one. I don't, yeah. I don't see how he doesn't wind people up. <laughs> That's not come from me, Matt. Okay, just bear that in mind, my friend. Uh, Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin twenty one, good friend of the show, says here. I get irrationally angry at Tor- Toru Yano. Is that how you say it, Yano? Oh, Yano. Yeah, from yeah. Um, from New Japan. Yes. I like comedy wrestling, but for some reason, Yano's shenanigans just boil my piss. I can understand that. Some comedy wrestling, you know, give up. It's, I suppose any sort of comedy is subjective, isn't it? So it can be funny to one person, ridiculous to the next. I didn't yeah. get Orange Cassidy for a long time. Mm-hmm. But that, I know people that, that find him hysterical. And I think that one of the the major issues uh, why people dislike Tori Yano's uh, comedy stick is because in reality he's, re- he's a really really good wrestler, like a really really talented wrestler. Uh, but he's got into this kind of comedy trope, and he doesn't hardly wrestle anymore. It's all kind of shenanigans, and yeah, it's, it is quite annoying. Yeah, no, I can appreciate that. Um, Dan continues drivers who ignore one way systems in car parks, they mm-hmm. enrage him and they need to just get in the sea. I can appreciate that. That's, you know, that's, and, and to add to that drivers who go in the wrong way in petrol stations, that pisses me right off. Yeah. See, I don't drive. So I I don't get that firsthand. Mm-hmm. You know, I took a wrong turn in Wolverhampton going to a gig once while the person driving did. And we were just going, God knows how far down this road. The traffic lights changed and we had three lines of traffic coming towards us and we had nowhere to go. We had to reverse oh, wow. all the way back. I and mean, it must have been a good couple of hundred yards. That was a bit scary, mate. That Jesus was not good. Christ. You know, I, at the time I was laughing, but I was about nine cans in. So we. <laughs> um, the sum up ad, Dan says, and I can 100% get on board with this. This makes me so sodden angry. I don't know what, what is the sum up ad? You do know, you just want me to do it. I'm being generous. I don't remember what, or um, if I do know, I don't remember it. Certainly. It's, let me just bring this comment up by Sharon here. That one, the advert where they all go, oh! I remember the advert now. What's it for, though? I, I, people just want to get punched in the throat. I don't know. That's what it's much. for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is annoying. I, I, I hate it, mate. Honestly, it, I, I could get so cross, like genuinely angry about it. To the point where I got to try and mute the TV or turn it over or, or something like that when it's on. It really, really wiles me up. I mean. Nowadays, with the kind of like um, the TV on demand and the and the streaming services we have, adverts in general wind me up. Yeah, having to wait for the second part of a program pisses me right off. That yeah. really annoys me. Ah, Dan just said in in the in the comments, um, it's the card payment system for small business. Now I know. And he said, "Oh, you can pay by card now," and they they're like, "Oh, yeah, Ooh. that's funny. that's a." That's a terrible advert. Oh, it drives me mad. That made me want to pay in twos and ones on yeah. purpose. Just a big bag of change. Yeah. Just weighing, <laughs> weighing a lot of shrapnel. The stick bag. That through your, stick that through your card reader, you fucker. 
the bag like um the the, the thumbtacks <laughs> from underneath the wrestling ring just, just churning out <laughs> pennies all over the place yeah definitely uh dan continues in the workplace i have colleagues who are dirty bastards and often don't bother using the toilet brush to clean away their remnants and sometimes don't even bother flushing the toilet it's gross oh. and irritating as hell no one owns up to it oh. yeah that ain't a good look is it if you leave like a floater or if you leave like the mellow yellow you are a scruff you're an absolute scruff <laughs> there's no reason to not flush it literally takes two seconds mate part of my job cleaning at the moment one of the first things i do oh, is I've with got... kids as well in a mate, school i bet that's I've horrible got, i've got a set of girls toilets a set of boys toilets and then a staff toilet the staff toilet tends to be all right the boys toilet tends to be gross the girls toilet oh my god it is the worst by a mile it is yeah. shocking you know mm-hmm. um, not when a I, good look mate when i used to be on the the committee for a local working man's club um the women's toilets in there were always every night the most disgusting toilet yeah Women, when they are, are out on the on the lash, are animals, absolute animals. I don't think any of these kids are on the lash during the day or anything. I think it's, you know. Lost her. Well, yeah, fair point, fair point. There's probably a bar <laughs> in the school that I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a tuck shop. <laughs> yeah, and the, 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 you know, the, the DT class, the design technology class, is showing them how to make the false IDs to go in, into the bar. And how, <laughs> yeah. how, to, how to brew your own moonshine. Yeah, I mean, they all do photography classes now, so they can make their own passport photos, change the date of birth <laughs> on it, you know? So, uh, Millwall Chris, at Millwall Chris 1 on Twitter, good friend of the show. He says, Louis Walsh. That's all he's, that's simple as that. It's Louis Walsh, he said, annoys him, so. He, he also had, a, had a second one as well, that, uh, that stupid yoghurt advert that yes. has Nicole Scherzinger in. Uh, I don't mind it now that Dina Asher Smith and, and Laura Muir do it, but yeah, the how many times can she be in a situation where she gets yogurt on her nose? It's ridiculous. So now there's other people doing it, he doesn't mind. But when think, Nicole did it, is it more of an issue with Nicole than it is the advert itself, maybe? Maybe he just wasn't a big fan of the Pussycat Dolls. Mm, yeah, she could sing mine that lass. I'll tell you that she did a really random duet with Alice Cooper. Um, as it was, <laughs> okay. right? But the, the most random thing about it, if I remember correctly, I'd have to check the CD. I don't know if I've got it up here with me. I think it might be downstairs. On it, you know, Slash from Guns N' Roses, yeah, he did a solo album. Um, and his first solo is that solo albums now have got a singer with him and a band and so on. But his mm-hmm. first solo album had lots of different vocalists. So Ozzy Osbourne oh, yeah. did a track, Lenny from Motorhead did a track, uh, The Last from Black Eyed Peas did a track and so on. Um, and as a bonus track on one of the, the extra releases of the album, it's Slash's album, but the vocalists are Nicole and Alice Cooper. Okay. How weird is that? But it's brilliant. It's an absolute storming track. Yeah, I, I don't mind sometimes those kind of like uh, cross um, musical style fusions. Hmm. There was a, there was an interesting story uh, this week about uh, uh, a famous brass band, and I think it's called the band's called Brass Against, and their kind of shtick is doing um, gigs where they do rock rock music, like covers of rock songs, but with brass, with brass instruments like saxophones, tubas, uh, okay. all that stuff, uh, and the. Uh, the, the lead singer 
Um, she was desperate to go to the toilet, so um, she said, oh yeah, she said, have you heard the story? I have, but you carry on, Magsy. I know exactly where so, you're going. And but so did she. <laughs> yeah. Do not look up this on on uh, Twitter or anywhere like that because it's horrific. But uh, essentially, she told the audience uh, she was desperate to go to the toilet, and there was no one. There's no way she was going to make it back to the the uh, the the port of cabins uh, uh, backstage. So, would someone want to come on uh, stage and essentially be a human toilet? So, a bloke volunteered, and she genuinely just crouched over his face and and uh let rip uh yeah and she was very desperate because there was a hell of a lot of it and she kept singing as well and i think she was singing uh a, a cover of a range against the machine song as well which is yeah horrific but he enjoyed himself yeah, go where you tell me <laughs> <laughs> i don't think it was actually that one but it, it was yeah it was certainly raging against the machine song but jesus Christ. Oh, man, that's not a good look. But he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And he wow. spat he spat out the, to link it to wrestling, he spat out the the P like Triple H. Nah. Anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is a oh, that's not a good look. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's move on, mate. That's gross. Danny, <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for your input there, Millwall Chris. For, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> appreciate it as always, buddy. Always appreciate it. <laughs> At Scottish Juggalo on Twitter. In 2007, WWE made the decision to remove all references of Chris Benoit or Stevie Richards, as he refers to him here. So, what did both Triple H and HBK do? Use his cripple across face submission hold for the next three solid years. That really pissed him off back then. I can I can appreciate that I suppose, but at the same yeah. time, it's a good move. Do you want the move to die out? Well, yeah, that's it. And and I suppose them using it kind of uh, deflects it away from being Chris Benoit's move. Being uh, ah, sure, yeah. So people don't instantly link it to him. Um, but Triple H and the HBK, I mean, we'll get on to their politicking later on. Um, mm. It could have easily been been a case of oh, well, he's not using it anymore. Uh, We'll 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 steal that move. Mm, yes, politicking indeed. Uh, good cop, bad cop wrestling podcast at Good Bad Wrestle on Twitter says here: My youngest leaving the front door open and not closing it behind him. He's just glad that lights being left on doesn't seem to bother him that much. I'll tell you what: I mean, leaving the front door open's not cool anyway, is it? Because anyone, well, where I am, anyone would just walk in, but. Mm-hmm the leaving the lights on thing that drives me batty mate i get out the kids have gone to school and it's like oh, oh i can i can i can hear my dad's voice in my head because it used to drive him mad but the lights are just left on everywhere and it's just like why just turn you, you literally walk past the switch on your way out the door ah uh, uh, that grinds me to this very day uh, the amount of times I can walk, say from from my kitchen up to the up to the bathroom, and just switch, 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 turning mm-hmm. light after light after light. The front door thing—that's not a, a big issue for me because we've got kind of like a, a double front door where we have like um, a vestibule and then another uh, front door. So oh, one of them. So we have a front door like a yeah. to the outside, then like yeah. a vestibule. 
Like, I like the way you explained to me where your front door is going. It's going to the yeah. outside. <laughs> but then in, in the vestibule is essentially where we put courts and, and, and our kind of like... It's um, like a porch. Well, it's a vestibule. It's not a porch. You, you couldn't go and put like a, a seat and chairs there. You couldn't like sit there and watch the world go by. It's yeah, just like a little ring where, where you put your shoes. Yes, that's, that's a porch. What's a, ve- a vestibule? I don't think I've heard that before. Well, that's what it's called. It's a vestibule. Are you sure? It's very much a vestibule. <laughs> or are you just trying to stay posh because you're a lord now? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Um, but no, uh, it's where we essentially hang our coats, put our money boots and stuff like that. And then we have another front door, which uh, it, that one tends to always be closed. So um, right. that the front door thing doesn't really bother me, but the lights, oh, it grands. It absolutely grands. Yeah. Drives me mad. Absolutely kills me. So if you're listening, kids, so no. <laughs> Look oh. at this. Why do I why do I put up with this? <laughs> Lord Mag's owner of the real forbidden door. Look at the Lord of his big words. And Mag's also has gilded gates and a half mile driveway to contend with before hitting the port colour set his Lord's Manor. I do have a drive, by the way. <laughs> I don't have port colour gates, but we have been talking about maybe getting some of those like gates that open automatically. Why? <laughs> oh my God! Do we not mock you enough? <laughs> Do you just want to chuck more ammo my, into that gun? I, I just lob up those easy low balls on, <laughs> and people just knock them out of the park. You want gates that open themselves? Okay. Mm. All right, no worries. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just going to store that up. I'm sure that will be recycled back out at some stage. <laughs> uh all the way from Australia, our good buddy Chris Mangle at Mangle underscore Chris. Mm-hmm. He says, "How long is the show?" So I'm guessing he's got a lot we, of things. We, that we got that a, a couple of times. I think yeah. uh, uh, William Kitchen as well said it. Yeah. So these uh, are angry, angry people. They are. It's a, it's a narky bunch, mate. To put it simply, all my annoyances come back to one thing: people, other people, mm-hmm. and I feel the same. Yep. The uh, one of my favorite TV shows is a program called The RT Crowd. Uh, and there's a there's a scene in that where um, Roy, one of the characters, says um, essentially he hates people, and he says, "People, what a bunch of bastards!" And that that's <laughs> my mantra for for laugh. No, I can get on board with that, mate. Totally. I, I just I've got, I don't need to make any more friends. I've got what I need. You know, I've got I mean, I, even after your friends are probably just dicks. Well, yeah, yeah, no, a lot of men annoy me. They annoy the living shit out of me, but... (laughs) (laughs) I've got a few really good mates, um, and I've got my family, and that's kind of it, really. That's all I need. And and obviously you, Magazine, are our CW. And I I annoy you. (laughs) I annoy you on the the weekly. You annoy Uh, me from 140 miles away. It's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) I, 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 I think... I would be very antisocial if I didn't have the friends that I made in the first place. If I had no friends now and I was like, I had to make some friends. Yeah. I'd be forever alone because I'm Mm. just annoyed by people every day. All the time. I just just find myself just looking at people and just going, why, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Why why are you doing? Yeah. Oh, anyway, <laughs> demonetize. Brilliant stuff, eh? As if the name of the episode wasn't going to get us an issue on YouTube, which was you know? also 
all that was also inspired by you. You kind of like forced my arm on that. Uh, even no. though I think it came from Paul Tolly. But... It did come from Tolly, yeah. It was funny when I went to look at the link and to share it on the Twitter and uh, so Facebook and so on. I didn't twig at first, and I saw the episode name, and I honestly just stood in the kitchen laughing, just <laughs> crying. I was just like, man, that was... And, and the beauty of it is, to anyone who missed that little conversation between the chain wrestling account, yourself and Tolly on Twitter, they got no idea why they have to, why the episode's called that. <laughs> I think it's it's actually might be part of Tolly's uh Tolly's um uh grab, so I'm sure we can we can bring it up. Yeah, okay, no problems. Uh we have more from Mill Chris. He says, Glitter, I hate the stuff. I don't yes. mean Gary. He doesn't want to well, upset Andy from Bang Bang. <laughs> so you don't hate Gary Glitter? That's weird. I thought that'd be a been a given, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'll tell you what though is what is a shame, and not about Gary Glitter. That's you know, but when you get artists like you know Lost Profits, the guy from Lost Profits, and so on, mm-hmm. who have actually recorded some good music, but now it's like you can't listen to it because mm-hmm. of what they've done. So for for an example, especially linking to Gary Glitter, uh, me and the wife were um, were watching a, a program. I think it was it may have been yesterday or it may have been over the weekend sometime and it was essentially about the the biggest hits of the 70s and there was uh in 1973 um one of the biggest hits of the year was uh was a gary glitter song um i think it was uh do you want to be my gang or something like that um no we don't yeah but they <laughs> they, they were kind of like doing all these kind of breakdowns of these songs and going into that the history of the the bands and and uh how they got to writing the songs and the meanings of the song when it come to that one they literally just had to just go straight past it there was no mention of his name they literally just uh put up a three seconds of the of the audio the the title of the song and just mm. swan by um so yeah, it just goes to show that even though he he probably created some really popular music, you can't you can't disassociate the the evil that he that he was, the evil person that he was. Yeah, exactly, and it's the associations as well, I guess. I mean, it's mentioning lost profits there. The lead singer was a wronger. He was a disgusting individual, mm-hmm. you know, and. The rest of the band, you got to feel sorry for them because they they were getting big. They had like download festival. Yeah, they, I mean they weren't my cup of tea. They were a bit indie for my liking, but they they were doing well for themselves. And they've released an album together since this has happened with a different singer, and it ain't very good, you know. And it's not. And I think they've split up now, and it's, it's a shame because they're almost their careers are tarnished by association. Yeah, and it's it, it's it's disgusting. Um, but how how else would you deal with that? I mean, mm. it's not like he's going to say to say to the band, "I'm going to step away because I'm a bit of a nonce. Uh, I do like uh, kiddie fiddling." <laughs> <A bit. laughs> so yeah, uh, I don't want to tarnish the reputation of the band. Um, mm. Which, and like I said, they were kind of on the on the cusp of being like stadium size uh they were because um, they were close to being a really really big band and mm. that stuff just it just killed their careers dead yeah i'll tell you what as well thinking about stuff like that our lady peace who did chris benoit's entrance theme um the later one with the vocals and sort of you know yeah. that's a banger of a record it is and I, yeah. one of my favorite entrance themes of all time but I kind of feel weird no, listening to it now. Hold him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, I might play it on the show. I don't know. I, I was going to play it on the show when we did um, the Benoit 
triple threat at WrestleMania 20, and I struggled a little bit then. So I might I might just see what people think in the chat and see where we go from there. But I love that record, but I still now feel weird listening to it because of the association with Benoit himself. Mm-hmm. And that's not even the band's fault. That's you know that's that's it's it's been tarred with that memory of 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 what the the person did. Mm. Yeah, yeah, sick bastards, man. Yeah. Ah, uh, we have a tweet here from Channel Eighty Eight. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Helmatic Eighty Five. Thank you so much for getting in touch there. He says, getting a single text message that just says, yo. He's like, what the fuck do you want? Leave it. He leaves it on red. If it's important, that way they will text what they need to say. Mm-hmm. I can pre- I, I don't I don't get that, but I imagine if I did, I would get annoyed. Uh, I can kind of put a little twist on that. Um, I really dislike when you get a, a text message that says, ring me from someone who you know, and they're saying, ring me like... No, you want me. You ring me. I I don't particularly want to talk to you, so I'm not going to go out of my way to talk to you. So you want something from me, or you want some, uh, to chat with me? You do the the ringing. Don't have me ringing you. That's ignorant. Yeah, that's annoying. No, I get that. I get that. <laughs> uh, William Kitchen, good friend of the show, at the Appliance One Eighty. Uh, he says here. There's a little bit of a list. Andy Goldstein, uh, the horse-faced Essex boot from Married at First Sight. Okay, <laughs> I don't know him, but clearly William has got uh, a mad beef with uh, Mr. Goldstein. That's that's two different people, Max. He's got oh, Andy right. Gold. Andy Goldstein. I thought, I thought Andy Goldstein <laughs> was the the horse-faced Essex boot. <laughs> perhaps, yes, perhaps I'm misunderstanding. Perhaps Andy Goldstein was on Married at First Sight. And I just missed I don't it. know. But Jesus Christ, the poor horse faced Essex boot. Have we got a name for this uh this Essex boot then? No, it literally just says horse faced. I, I don't know. What we'll have to do is we'll have to bring up the faces of the people who were on Married at First Sight and see which one looks most like no. a, a boot. Yeah, I'm I'm probably not gonna do that because programs like that boil my piss. <laughs> there's no way on God's green earth those people got married at first sight it's it's so scripted it's unreal but yet people be- they believe it and it annoys see this is some, reality tv is something that annoys me i hate yeah. the fakeness of it and all this mm-hmm. but that married at first sight australia the wife that's the in, worst one right the wife got into that one last season or season before something like that and i ended up catching some of it and it dragged me in, Mags. I was dragged in by this storyline of one of the husbands or one of the wives getting involved with somebody else's husband and stuff. And after after every episode, I just felt dirty. It was just like, why am I? What is this about? But then you, you hit the nail on the head when you said what it was. It's a storyline. It's mm. made up. And anyone who believes that it's real, they, they need to take a long walk off a short pier. Sharon. <laughs> okie doke anyway <laughs> Andy Goldstein is a guy who works for Talk Sport okay yeah and he did guarantee like, wanker then yeah he did one series of Soccer AM after Lovejoy left oh I know what you mean yeah he's a, he's a twat United fan mm. yeah um, and then this other person is a horse faced Essex boot from Married at First Sight <laughs> People who try to impose veganism on you, 
organized religion, well, as mm-hmm. opposed to unorganized religion. <laughs> just people <What>? random- <laughs> randomly praying in the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, people t- people turning up all the time at the church, and the vicar just being like, "No, not today. It's it's Tuesday." Where they've got no clue as to when they actually arrive. You know, <laughs> just all over the place. Yes, all so disorganized, place. Father. Oh. <laughs> turning out with a Bible in one hand and a Quran in the other, you know, there's no clue what's going on. <laughs> um, the Scottish National Party, Owen Jones, I don't know who Owen Jones is. Is that the, we're walking in the air, guy? Um, yeah, we'll say it is. I don't know. Yeah, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, flip-flops. <laughs> flip-flops. Just randomly. When you've got stuff here, like pop political stuff, <laughs> reality nationalism. tv stars nationalism <laughs> religion <laughs> flip-flops <laughs> oh brilliant stuff william uh getting charged for going for a piss yeah that annoys me when you got to put your 20p or 50p or whatever it is in the toilets or train station or something apparently the walking in the air guy is ali jones so it's a, no. a, a different jones no you're wrong you're all wrong <laughs> Owen Jones. Okay, who's Owen Jones then? Everybody in the uh, the chain yeah. wrestling family, the CWF in the chat. Who's Owen we need, Jones? Then? We need to know first of all who who Owen Jones is. Ah, he's a columnist, apparently a British columnist. Um, but we also need to know this uh, this um, horse faced gremlin from. Uh, married at first size gremlin <laughs> I, I added the gremlin he may not have said gremlin oh he said boot sorry said boot. horse-faced essex boot from married at first sight so yeah we need a name so we can see if this how much this person looks like or, or i'll tell you what even better because obviously me and Maxi are very very busy if you people in the chat can find a way of getting a picture of this person and showing us so we can compare to just exactly how much a boot this individual looks like mm-hmm. i'd be intrigued and finally, William continues, WWE changing authentic theme music on the network. Yeah, that, that doesn't I. Oh, and the BBC. Oh, just just for just for uh just for a last one. Um yeah, BBC is annoying, so kind of a politically biased. Uh but yeah, the WWE changing the music, that grinds me, especially when you remember uh the shows on the pay-per-views and then all of a sudden it's music that was not attached to that wrestler or attached to that, that show. Yeah, that pisses me off. Which is the worst for you? I mean Rick Rude having his music changed always drives me mad. Yeah, I hated that one. Um I, I can't really think off the top of my head who's who's the the um the the changed massively, but yeah, Big Rude's a, a, a um a horrible one. Um, but a lot of the kind of the older Jim Johnston ones as well, um, mm. where where it's it's kind of almost like generic music that these wrestlers get now, and it it, it doesn't fit the characters. Yeah, it's 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 not good and. For the for the pennies it would have cost for the licensing fee, I don't see why yeah. they they didn't they didn't just stick with the music that they had. Yeah, at ECW they changed loads, didn't they? Because it was all proper you know proper music and that. Yeah. Um, Hogan Hogan's music WrestleMania eighteen getting changed that is the worst for me because you lose the reaction from the crowd because they changed the music. You know, Scottish Danny said uh, Maven having his music changed is a tragedy. Oh, that was a tune. Yeah, and especially considering he's still in the Royal Rumble right now. Yeah, Never got eliminated. Very true. And Very true. apparently, he's he's looking at making a comeback. Oh, really? I hope he wears the grey jogging bottoms that you get from Premark that he had when he first came into it, <laughs> as opposed to. Do they have Premark in America? 
um, they they'll have some sort of uh, cheap clothing store, I reckon, dollar store. Apparently, okay. I've got to check my phone. Oh no, you've got to check your phone. No, no, Sharon says, "Babe, she she is referring to you." So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking my phone now. This is great audio content for the podcast. <laughs> well, um, Matt saying uh, in in the chat he hated American Badass by Kid Rock. No, that's a, a decent tune. I I think that's a uh, yeah. Enjoy that one. Yeah, I reckon it's a good tune. I like that. Yeah, it works, works quite well. So here we go, people. This apparently uh, is the horse-faced boot. I, mean, I just sent you a picture I, as well, Magazine, that Sharon got me one. Is it the same same woman? Same woman, different picture, though. Okay. Um, but I don't think she's... I wouldn't say boot. horse face. yeah, I can see that. Um, more, I think the issue I'd have is more the, the slight wonky eye. It's like wonky eye. Got the Shawn Michaels about her, and and the painted on eyebrows—that's another bugbear. I can't fucking stick painted on eyebrows. Oh, and whilst we're at Dan, uh, might as well confirm that he did wear a grass skirt for the ah. for the holiday cane episode that he, he promised to send a picture of. Now that's more horse faced. I will concede <laughs> that looks like she has just uh, been offered a nose bag. <laughs> that might mean something different where you're from to me, mate. You know, <laughs> I mean, a nose bag full of like old carrots and apples, not full of the 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 happy clappy powder. The happy clappy, <laughs> the marching dust, and <laughs> the sexy sugar. Oh dear, Handy T One T F on Twitter. He says he personally doesn't deal with stupidity well. I'm okay with ignorance. <laughs> and and yet he listens to this shit. Yeah. I, I, it, the fact that he doesn't deal with stupidity well and he puts up with us, Magsy, I think that's, that shows what a trooper he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says he doesn't deal with stupidity well. He's okay with ignorance. And there's stuff that all of us just don't know. But just being confident you're right, even though the facts it otherwise really burns his ass. I could get on board with that 100%. And I'll tell you one that gets me the most is when, and you tend to get it in work, place situations and i've dealt with it a few times at different places with different people people who seem to think they know the law with regards to mm-hmm. you know employ- employment contracts or anything, and so on. anything. Yeah. yeah yeah and they and, and they sort of spike this onto whatever the situation is for example a area manager that i was once associated with had a habit of just basically dictating what things we're going to do. And everyone else would just be like, oh yeah, okay, I'll get on with it. But I would then question, well, hang on a second. That's not right. Or because in previous roles, I've had experience having to deal with that sort of thing myself and mm-hmm. have training in certain situations and, and, and do courses and, and all that sort of boring nonsense from back in the day. So I'd be like, well, that's, that's against the law or that's not right. Or actually contractually, you can't force people to do this for no money or, or whatever it was. And I just got labeled a troublemaker, but I was always right. So yeah. Is, is it being a troublemaker if you are um, doing things for the better of your, of, of the rest of your, your team? Because they, they're just clearly accepting something that, that is totally illegal. And, and, and yet, you're the troublemaker for for saying no. That's wrong. We we mm. we 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 should be treated fairly. And yeah, people like that annoy me. Um, 
and people who take stuff that they read off Facebook and now even more so Twitter uh, as facts. Uh, we've seen a lot of it with like stuff like COVID. I don't really want to get too political about it, but yeah, those kind of people who annoy me and say, oh, well, uh, this is um, like you should be taking this horse medication for for COVID. Well, where did you find that out? Oh, I read it on Facebook, and I'm like, <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. You're an absolute proper idiot. So yeah, oh. I, I get where Handy's uh, getting to with that. The Facebook link there as well. So talking on Facebook, Facebook, when a UFC event comes around, but a big UFC event, not just not just obviously with five rounds magazine, oh, you cover all God. of it. You know, oh, and, get me. And, I know and, what you're going to say. And the Wait, coverage get... is fantastic. And the mm-hmm. boxing is the same. There's boxing events on all over the world every weekend. But then when Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury fight, all of a sudden, everyone you've known since school becomes a boxing expert for that yeah. weekend. I, I, I don't mind. We call them plastics. Um, I don't mind the plastic fans per se. If uh, if you can draw more fans into uh, into watching MMA or watching boxing, that's cool. Um, yeah. if uh, hopefully they'll stick around for the smaller events, but it's when someone who watches Conor McGregor fights or watches Tyson Fury fights, but then they know everything about the whole sport that just grinds me. Yeah. Uh, and and Carlos, who runs the the five round um, um, podcast uh, Facebook page, he's forever getting into like kind of debates about. Uh, these plastic fans who who have watched ten fights in their life and know everything about it, and yet Carlos has, has trained in the sport since being like ten years old, um, and we've watched uh, UFC since the very early days when it was really unregulated. That that grands that grands him, and he gets into so many kind of like uh, debates about uh, about MMA. Yeah, that that annoys me. I don't mind you coming in and enjoying the sport, but mm-hmm. don't come in and think because you watch one match you're suddenly an expert that annoys yeah see i mean boxing i've always enjoyed boxing since i was younger i like a little bit of boxing i wouldn't say i'm an expert in any way shape or form but i know enough to sort of agree or disagree with some of the pundits sometimes and if i don't know i'll go along with what they're saying because they in theory should know more than me ufc i know even less about i enjoy the odd i enjoy the odd scrap i put the odd show on you know but it's not my go-to i guess so I will listen to the likes of yourself and Carlos, uh, and I will listen to people, for example, a fellow called Tristan, who I used to work with, who was a boxing fanatic, and he would know more than I, mm-hmm. you know? It's just so annoying, these people. And those who, who try and point out what such and such did wrong. Oh, Anthony Joshua got knocked out because he did this, this, and this wrong. You know, whilst Joshua's there earning millions looking like he's been chiseled out of granite and is super fit and has obviously got an incredible amount of talent. And this person sat there with bloody cheese watsits all down their chin and chest, <laughs> eating out of a bowl on their sofa, of, you know, a can of white lightning next to him, sniffling away on a bag of freaking, you know, marching powder or something. It's just like, oh, get a grip, pal, you know? Yeah, th- this topic has certainly riled the chat. Uh, Sharon saying ignorance is one of her biggest issues. Stupidity can be corrected. Uh, ignorance is a choice. Uh, Matt saying, mm-hmm. yeah, people who, who are now uh, boxing fans because of uh, one of the Paul brothers, yeah, they annoy. They're so annoy. Um, Millwall Chris saying, it's like when England play in a major tournament, suddenly every Tom, Dick and Harry starts telling you where we are going wrong tactically. Yep. I mean, to be fair, we do that on, on Radio Techers, but we never claim to be experts about it. This is just three 
or for idiots' opinions about football. Um, See, I can't get involved in it, mate. Not not saying radio attackers. I mean, with, with stuff like that, I cannot. I see stuff on Twitter. I see stuff on Facebook, uh, and uh, wrestling and football. And I I see. Oh, I kind of mentioned it on the episode of SJP I did when I was recording on my Todd. Um, I I I can't get involved in the conversations because sometimes you see something on Facebook or Twitter, and you end up in a discussion with these people. And I, 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 you say I don't want to say I'm wrong. They're, they're wrong. I'm right. But yeah, they're fucking wrong. I'm right. I know this. Okay. And that sounds very arrogant. I know. But these, I say, mate, boxing and UFC, know nothing about. It. I listen to people, football and wrestling. I like to think I know a bit about it. So my opinion, I would hope, would hold a little bit of weight. Yeah. In a discussion, but just experience and how long I've been watching and and, and other things that I've done in my life. When you hear somebody just go, oh, well, they should do this or do that or change to five at the back. And you're just thinking, you're going to have a fucking clue. I can't say anything because it just it just goes off. And I get so angry about it. There you go. That's something that pisses me off. I get so angry about these idiots to the point where I cannot comment on how wrong they are. Do you know what I mean? And that's why he's banned from any episodes of Radio Techers, folks. Oh, I, get, I get asked on all the time, you bastard. <laughs> I get asked on all the time. I don't. I. It's difficult because United games. I don't. I, I want to sit and watch with my lad and that, you know, mm-hmm. or my wife if she's home. So it's difficult coming on Techers for that. Other teams, I would watch you don't it. Shit about. I, well, I used to watch all the football I could, but now I don't watch anywhere near as much. Mm-hmm. So I feel that. If I came on, I wouldn't know. I, I don't know half the people who play for, say, Aston Villa anymore. Because I kind of fell out of love with the game for quite a while. Yeah, you know? I, I get that. But then again, on Techers, we we very rarely talk about the football. We're mainly talking Fair about enough. food or music or anything. And then we'll we'll have a passing glance at the football. Kind of like this, how this is a wrestling show. But we very rarely talk about the wrestling. Mm, yeah. Yeah, very true, very true. Uh, I also don't think I could be able to put up with Tanner and Matt's blatant Liverpool bias. That would drive me batty, mate. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it's annoying. It's annoying. <laughs> but there we go. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be a T-shirt, I think. Anyway. Uh, at UTT Rob on Twitter. Rob says, aside from the government, the refereeing style of Aubrey Edwards... So uh, this intrigued me, and I said, how, how come that annoys you? And Rob carried on. She draws focus from the match and has starting, m- started Mizdowing the moves. And that made me laugh, because, you know, Miz, Damon Mizdow was brilliant, mm-hmm. copying the Miz and all that sort of stuff. Yep. But, um, yeah, I've got no problem with, with Aubrey Edwards. Perhaps I've just not noticed it. And I, I wonder if I, when I watch Dynamite this week, if it'll irritate me now it's been pointed out to me. Okay, so, yeah, I... Um, I've I've noticed how I like the the uh, as a ref. I, I just don't think a, a referee should have uh, so much of a character that she can overshadow the people who she's refereeing. That's mm-hmm. I think that's my issue with her. Um, she's incredibly dramatic with like the the things like um, the the three counts and the kind of like any kind of big moves. She'll react like way over the top. Uh, but this was one of the kind of like nitpicks I had with Full Gear. And like I said, it was a, a entertaining show, but there were things that that really kind of uh, 
ground me a little bit. Uh, the one where she sprinted to the ring uh, it was such an over-exaggerated sprint like she was running with her hands like chopping the air. That's um, not just how she runs. Maybe. Then she needs to stop running. Uh, and then the other one was... Uh, <laughs> just um, stop it. <laughs> yeah, just grow up over it. Uh, the other one was, uh, was the Sammy Guevara and uh, Jeff Hardy spot off the top of the ladder. Um, yep, looked cool. Um, but she held the ladder. And she was the referee. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Was very much Jericho was holding the other side, wasn't he? Yeah, which things like that kind of draw me out of it. But mm. I don't hate her as much as Rob potentially does but yeah she she does things little things that 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 kind of wind me up yeah totally totally a couple of quick things in the chat here mags first of all my comment about tanner and matt on radio techers matt responding i can hear you mank lad well yep i didn't stutter and <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and and in this is some backstage politicking this is the real show mackles and brett hart <laughs> And Sharon here saying that sideline coaches at our daughter lives football. And this harks greatly to a game between Gloucester, who my daughter plays for, and I think it was Cheltenham potentially. And there was, there was a fella running the line who flagged somebody offside for it was a Cheltenham parent running the line, flagged somebody offside. The referee said no because these people weren't interfering with play. A goal was scored. The goal stood. Apologies, Sharon, if I'm telling this wrong. Sharon, having watched so much football with me and also been involved with the running of a couple of football clubs and so on, fully understands the offside rule and basically points out they weren't interfering with play. You sh- the flag doesn't apply to them. The girl who scored was onside and this person got quite agitated and started acting like a bit of a dick. And to be honest, you're picking the wrong person to act a dick towards my wife will kick your ass. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yep. But there we go. Uh, at rain counter on Twitter. Fantastic. First of all, to hear the return of badlands this week, magazine over the sodden moon to and have that show. Back all my work. Nobody helped at all. No, it was, um, yeah, we, it's been in, in talk for a while. Uh, Ray Cash, who's, who's joined the the team as a, a permanent third member, he um, he basically kind of um, convinced Tolly to get back into into content creating. We've always been in like a a, a group thread, or so even when Tolly took his uh, hiatus from from wrestling Twitter, we've always like kept in in contact and 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 chatted away. And yeah, and. Uh, uh, with a few changes to the show, with uh, with uh, kind of limiting the the guests that come on, um, and with the the topics that we talk about, yeah, Paul feels a little bit more uh, confident uh, and less disillusioned with wrestling. So yeah, it was it was good to have him back. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, brilliant. It's great. It's great. I, I listened to the first episode. I really enjoyed it. It made me laugh straight straight off the bat with with um, Ray wrecking your intro at the very beginning yeah. of the show i was just laughing from the first it, i really i love the fact that the show is back i mean thank you not going, not, not going to lie. i didn't reach out to me mate didn't didn't let me know what was going on i'm upset i feel, I feel out the loop um, i mean the first podcast wife came back sorry i had to you're you're yeah. essentially the sad chick I, i'm oh, i'm the bit on the side yeah I'm <laughs> starting a new podcast. <laughs> well yeah starting, you started one with benny i started no i started amazing. another one it's called it's called watch this why and it's <laughs> it's me speaking to content creators about how they got into wrestling well, so 
That's what I'm doing. Infringements, sir. Gimmick. It's not. It's not gimmick infringement. Why we watched that you did was you talking to content creators about how they became fans. I'm talking about, you know. I didn't know what I was going to end that sentence with when I started it, and I kind of got stuck. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> Dan Griffin's putting the sad in sad chick. Yes, that's it. The No Mags Club. I mean, I am surprised nobody's come up with a podcast called that where I'm specifically not allowed to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but you still sneak on somehow. I, I'd put on a me. I put on me uh, top hat and me glasses and. Lord Magsington would turn up. Magsington. <laughs> anyway, Tony said... <laughs> we get sidetracked a lot, mate. The people not sat at the table when he serves dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess I can appreciate that. It's not something that affects me, really, to be fair. Because our mm-hmm. house is so small, we haven't got a table. Well, we used to, but we got rid of it to make more room. It's very middle class, I think. That's yeah. him coming from Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. Um, in the middle of the of the the English countryside, yeah, he's, he's quite middle class. Is uh, Mister Tally? Yeah, wrestling journalists. I think we can all get on board with that mm-hmm. one, can't we? Uh, Mister Brad Shepherd, I'm looking at you. You absolute fucking cock. Yeah, he, he posted a picture this week of a uh, essentially a, a group of uh, wrestling journalists and. I don't really want to use yeah. the word, but influencers uh, all gathered together for, for full gear and someone took a, a picture of them all together. Um, it was cool, not my cup of tea, uh, but Brad had to comment on it and, and um, really kind of turn the screw in saying that, oh, yeah, these people basically live in their own fantasy world. Yeah, he's a dick. I mean, I don't agree with a lot of what the, the, the content creators who were in the photo say a lot of the time, but that's subjectivity of wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. But to uh, to go out of his way to, to shit on them all, yeah, he's he's just a dickhead. Right, it get it gets worse than that. I, I I'll, I'll get into it on a, properly on another episode because I can see it being something that we're going to end up discussing for a pimple dick in the future. I think, but he has a new podcast. I listened to it. Well, that was your first mistake. Well, I listened to it purely because of some of the you comments that. Listen. Yeah, I listened to see well, why are people slating him so much? Oh my God, literally within 25 minutes, there was uh, fat shaming, uh, homophobia. Um, I think there was a bit of racism in there. Feminism is a cancer, is a term I can remember off the top of my head. This is is a guy who who did uh, uh, an article on a website um, basically rating the the sexiness of women wrestlers. Oh, this is a a segment on the show. This is a segment on his new show Mm -hmm. called, uh, I think it's Butt of the Week. And yeah. he talks about, yeah, I mean, isn't, don't, isn't don't get me wrong. I appreciate the, the female form. You know, that's the way I swim, you know, each to their own. I, I understand, you know, there are people who might appreciate the male form, but probably not mine, but <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever makes you happy. And I don't mind pointing out an attractive lass and saying to my wife, bloody, I'll look at her or whatever, but to go about it in that way. And then effectively in the same breath, in the same show, fat shaming somebody else um it was do drop from wwe that they that they sort of went on about and it's just absolutely disgusting absolutely mm. disgusting but we'll get into it another time because our, this show is so so full and packed already mags i don't want to get sidetracked with we, we've still got so many kind of graps to go through 
<laughs> we'll move on quickly. We'll move on quickly. Um, the pop-up yeah. ads that take up to three quarters of the screen when you are reading a reputable newspaper's website, moving down the screen with you so you can never read the whole story. Yeah. Uh, that's something that irritates you as well, Maxie, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I really dislike the the kind of like transparent ones that will pop up uh, and they'll cover the whole screen uh, and the only way to get rid of them is a tiny little X, which which you can very rarely find and that that annoys the mm. other one that i get a lot of is uh i have ad block uh running on my machine uh so you don't get like adverts during youtube videos and stuff like that but when you go to certain websites they'll say oh we see you've got ad block running uh and they'll put a massive like logo up on them and you can't read uh the article until you uh, basically allow that that website to show adverts which mm. just really fucking annoys me but yeah that's yeah. absolutely annoying porn sites are the worst mate <laughs> I mean yeah I can neither confirm nor deny and they put a fake X on so when you click on the fake X thinking you're closing that it takes you off to all these different adverts and you end up in a great big pornado and it's just like adverts everywhere mate it's shocking you know <sighs> Sharon, take size phone off him. <laughs> or so I've been told. What are you on? I'm not saying allegedly. Not allegedly. 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm passing on a message from a friend. Um, <laughs> on Facebook, we had Chuck Winchester all the way from the States saying, when people call him, just text. And my little sister Hazel was in those comments on Facebook as well. I say in those comments. It was literally just Chuck and Hazel. Uh, she agreed. Just, just, just text. Don't ring. I I can't stand talk, ch- idle chit chat on the phone. It annoys me. It really right. does. Yeah. Um, See, I I will text a message and 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 so on. Text is fan. Absolutely yeah. fan. But if I need some, like like my sister's the one. We'll use my sister as an example because she's the main culprit in my family. I think she won't answer the phone, or she hates it when people ring her, mm-hmm. and she'll say, "Why have you rang me? Just text me." So majority of the time, I will text her. But if I need an answer on something, like, really quickly, like, there, there was a gig I was looking at going to and wanted to know if my sister wanted to come, the tickets were on sale, I had the website open, I needed an answer. So I'll ring her, it'll ring and ring and ring, cut off, go to voicemail, and then I'll get a text straight away saying, what do you want? What, what's up? And it's like, answer your phone, because I'll go, oh, do you want to go to this show? And then she'll message back, how much is it? And I'll message that. And then it'll be, when is it? What time is it? How are we get it? So just answer the freaking phone. We've done in 30 seconds. Yeah. So and I'm, that, I'm the that other way around. That would be fun um, if the conversation was done in 30 seconds. But I dislike those conversations where someone will ring uh, and you'll answer it and they'll get to the point what they, they were ringing for. And then it'll be, oh, by the way, what have you been up to? What are you mm. doing this week? And I'm like, I don't, I don't really want to tell you. I don't give a shit. I've, I've answered your question. Now, yeah. can they fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Other family members as well who don't text. That drives me mad. I, I send messages to my mum, my dad, my sister, and so on. I might send a picture of the cat or a picture of the kids or whatever. Um, and I'll send it to all of them. And my dad will always open it, look at it, and, and never respond. Leave one ring. That's <laughs> the most annoying. Especially when you if you have like uh delivery reports. I don't know if you have that on your phone, but um you can see when somebody's read the message and then they yeah. don't reply and you think you absolute tosser. <laughs> you've, you've clearly read it. Yeah. Just fucking reply. 
Paul Tory continues as well. Spoken word poetry adverts. Mm-hmm. Every other poet, every other advert is spoken word or poetry at the moment. Nationwide in particular infuriate me. I, I hate Ponzi adverts like for, for um aftershave or perfume, and it's like you know, sort of artsy dance and this woman sort of doing this this majestic spinning and all and the, the colours all around them and then she'll sit on a sofa and lie down and it'll be, you know, use this so you don't smell of arse or something. I don't know. It's just like it's just so pretentious. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and they're and they're always kind of like a catwalk model looking yeah. or or celebrities who are um just look like they have been painted by um, da Vinci, just amazing looking people, not normal scumbags like us who just don't want to stink. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be the perfect advert, mate, for, for a good, a proper good aftershave. Yeah. It'd, be a, it'd be a bloke at work sweating his <laughs> sweating his moves <laughs> off, absolutely honking, <laughs> you know, soaked in sweat, dirt, and you know, maybe me cleaning the toilets. There's absolutely dread. Just spraying Paco Rabanne into just the bowl. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely reeking covered in dust and crap and dirt and old food because i clean the canteen and all this sort of stuff and then i check my phone and it says pub and then i'm running to the pub sweating even more so i'm really smelly and just before i go in the pub spray myself with that deodorant or that perfume or that aftershave walk in and everyone's just like oh, and all the sweat's good. gone you've yeah. changed your clothes oh. <laughs> you've had a shave <laughs> yeah yeah that'd, that'd be, be the that, perfect perfect that's perfect mate yeah, totally, totally. We've got a bit but, going on in the chat, Magsy, haven't we? What's, uh, what's happening here? Yeah, um, so Dan is uh, really entertained by your Pornado. <laughs> Pornado, um, yeah. <laughs> says you you can't make him laugh like that when his ribs are killing him. Um, he's poorly, isn't he? Well, it, it, when's he not? When's mm. he not poorly? I think he's a bit of a hypochondriac on the slap. Um, Sharon, after my rant about people uh, wanting to hardly chit-chat on the phone, says she will never ring me. Good. I'm glad you got the message. <laughs> uh, Dan, agreeing with you that melodramatic advertising wanker is the worst. M&S have a lot to answer for. Now, m and adverts, yeah, the kind of uh, the the talking over the adverts are horrible, mm. but the food in the adverts always like makes me go, oh, I could right eat some of that M&S food. Yeah, but the thing is though, it, I, I it just shows me how lazy I am then because it shows these wonderful bits of grub, and it means for me to get that I got to go to MLS, and I'm just like, oh, you know what, I, I got some fucking waffles in the freezer, or something. Oh, you know what I mean? oh, <laughs> or you pick up your phone and you go, did somebody say just eat? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, Sharon saying um, her brother did it to her once. Said that she didn't get his message. Thinking I had an Android. Imagine the look on his face when she when he saw it on our phone, and I could see that he had read it. Yep. Well, what an arsehole of a brother. Mm, so, and yes. Dan got another week off. So naturally, I picked up the cold that my nieces have just had. A likely story, sir. A likely story. Yeah, a a, a cold. Okay, mate. That's ale flu. That is. Well, <laughs> Five Nerds Go at Five Nerds Go who I, I bonded with over Twitter yeah yesterday. trying to cause trouble claiming that I am a legless well I mean in the sense of having no legs not in the sense of being paralytically drunk and also <laughs> that being legless entitles you to untold podcasting riches which uh, I've never quite got I wish, yeah, I wish it of, did I don't really know how we ended up 
where, where we ended up but it basically went from talking about this to you being half coco beware half davros from doctor who mm-hmm. uh, and doing that as a career and a few pictures were exchanged which you know you'll be able to find on the the chain wrestling twitter account if anyone wants to go and view them but yeah it's uh i don't know how that happened but i was laughing it was funny it was five minutes ago say wrestling fans completely on board with that one mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I, I am a wrestling fan and i'm i'm annoying as fuck yes <laughs> <laughs> i agree <laughs> <laughs> people who don't have their oyster cards ready at nah, the barrier that, that's a that's a londonish shit kind of thing though isn't it we don't oyster cards aren't popular around these parts around these parts <laughs> we don't get trains around here yeah it's we, we horse by, car and trams we go uh, by donkey <laughs> <laughs> or goat i go by goat <laughs> <laughs> uh, people who go fetch more shopping after coming to the till that's me i do that every single time i go to our local shop every single time that that is sometimes me and the missus if if say we've uh we've got our trolley full of food and then i'll spot some out of the corner of my eye and she'll be in the queue um getting ready to unload onto the conveyor belt and i'll see somewhere and i'll just go i'll just grab that Oh, and I'll grab that, and I'll grab that, and I'll grab that, and I'll come back with about four or five more things. So, yeah, I would annoy Matt. I never pick up a basket, so I end up just grabbing, like, cat food, dog food, beer. And just just meal. walking around, carrying it in your arms. Car- yeah, carrying it, thinking I only want a couple of bits. But then the more I'm in the shop, the more I think, I need this, I need that. I walk up to the up to the counter. It's only a little corner shop. I think, I've got to put all this down because I still need to go and grab more stuff a, a bit of chocolate for the missus or something so yeah i'll do that the over end of the store put it all down on the counter and just walk back off yeah. <laughs> i am a piece of shit just then like what that. you should do one day is do all that and then just walk out of the shop <laughs> just, just leave <laughs> it all there and then piss off <laughs> yeah yeah i could do actually <laughs> five notes go continue people who take stuff off shelves and then put it somewhere stupid when they decided they don't want it yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Unless um... I have done that on occasion. I have to admit, I've picked something up and then gone that a couple of hours later and then seen something else that maybe uh, I could exchange it for or something on a, on a deal, for instance, and I've took the original out and put it on a shelf that it doesn't belong on. Hmm. Yeah, I can see yeah. that being annoying if you were a staff member. You suddenly sat, find a tin of Branston beans in the in, freezer. <laughs> I've never gone to that extreme. I have been in a Tesco where somebody has put like a loaf of bread in the freezer, which is just ridiculous. But like tin of beans on the cereal aisle, for instance. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh obviously I go through these things via screenshot. I, I just I literally just screenshot people's tweets, so I've got them in a list. Um the very next screenshot I'm gonna put up to the phone if people can see this. Don't know if I can where are we? There we go. It's Magsy as Coco Beware and Davros. I mean, Frankie's holding the mint era. There's Look no me actually in that photo. Yes, there is. That's you. That's what you do. You dress up as well, Davros and Coco Beware. So the. You could tell it's you. It's the Bernie flag coming out the bottom of the Daleklet. Which also has parts of the pitch still attached to it. I thought I did really well making that. You did. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take but me ages. That, I didn't my temper at all, I promise. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stevo at Total Stevo on Twitter, very good friend of the show. 
Oh, he went wild. He um, he has a few. He has a few. He's uh, a, an angry chappy. Yes, uh, which is funny because Hilarious. I never get that from him. Hilarious, but he's a lot of things rattling. I think. Yeah, people that spend what seems like an eternity choosing what hummus to buy. That's very specific hummus, isn't it? I mean, so I if like people take hummus. if people take their time choosing something else, is that okay? It's yeah. just just to be in the way of the hummus. Because he wants the hummus, I assume. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. People <laughs> people that spend what seems like an eternity choosing bananas. Ah, oh, nice. So nice. it's just think, choosing oh, anything. I think it, it must be... It's opening up now, Mags. Mm-hmm. People in gyms that spend more time staring at a phone than actually exercising. I, I wouldn't know about that the last time i went into a gym was just to see if the bar was open i, I you know <laughs> this gym used to be a pub <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh people that can't drive the speed limit and what he means is if you want to drive faster than 20 miles an hour crack on but don't drive slower okay yeah, it, i can appreciate that, that is annoying that is annoying but the speed limit um is not it's not mandatory. It's not a target that you have to hit. It's just the maximum <laughs> speed that you're allowed to go. So just going down, the, going down the motorway, get to 17, you can start celebrating. Yeah, I've <laughs> yes, made it. Done it. Party poppers out the window and all sorts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people in Range Rovers, 4x4s, essentially tanks, emergency braking to go over speed bumps. Just people yeah. in four by fours, or, or not specifically four by fours, but people in Range Rovers in in towns annoy the piss out of me because there is no need for such a honking great car when you don't have a farm or live in the countryside. It's ridiculous. Mm. We have a, yeah. a lot in the area of Burnley that I'm in where um, people have these huge four by fours. Um, just to go to the local shop or to go into town. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, totally. I mean, obviously you've got one because your driveway is so long. It's effectively going through the countryside to get to the population, isn't it, Max? But ours is also electric <laughs> and, and it helps on uh, us reduce our carbon footprint. The Lord of Padium. Um... <laughs> I don't live in Padium, thank God. <laughs> Well, no, you don't, but your driveway starts there. Uh, Andy, Bang Bang Podcast in the chat there, saying he used to manage a fruit and veg shop and told people off for touching the bananas all the time. Is that a euphemism? Is that... um, uh, And Millwall Chris will be able to confirm this. He's also uh, upset that we have an issue with Oyster cards. I don't particularly have an issue with them. I just, we have no use for them. We don't have that service in here in in Burma. Goats don't take them. Yeah, I'm sure he said um, something about um, working in a Morrison's, maybe, and uh, some of the stuff that happened with the bananas in that yeah. Morrison's was uh, was pretty horrific. I remember that. That was that was for a, a non wrestling topic here a while back, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, not a cool look. I wonder um, if Andy also had the same issue with those said bananas. Mm, potentially, potentially. Bloody hell, Steve O continues. Living in London, there's many things. Virtually everyone's staring at the phone no matter where they are. People on buses or tubes desperate to get off before being anywhere near the next stop. People that get annoyed not putting the divider on a checkout conveyor belt. Okay. People who get annoyed at other people not putting that divider. Is that a thing? I mean, I just I put the divider there as a matter of like 
course. You just mm. have this, I've finished. This is the space I need. Crack on with the next person. But do people not not have, do people know. have an issue with that? Hmm? I always put the divider name because I, I don't want somebody swiping like my jalapeno peppers or something. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, the divider doesn't create a force field. They could simply just reach no. over the divider. Well, do you know what? I've never even thought of that. <laughs> 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 like, I'm not like, saying that I think it is. Oh, I could field. really have that. I, I want his jalapenos. Psst, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Put the divider there. There's no way around getting them peppers now. But what Jesus. I mean is, you put some stuff on its side and it rolls, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, bottled like drinks bottles. and so on. Yeah. So that out. could roll into somebody else's shopping. It could, I suppose. That's what the divider's for. And you might not notice until you get home. And you're like, well, where's my bottle of whatever? And the bloke behind you just bought it and took it home instead. I don't know what would that be. It'd be more than if you'd paid for it and then he took it home. Yeah, that is worse, actually. Yeah, and exactly. I don't, th- I don't think you'd have that issue because I'm sure there's not two people in the vicinity who both like drinking the the, the horrific cheap cream soda. Well, potentially. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> uh, Steve-O continues again. He thought of a wrestling-themed annoyance when a bunch of wrestlers waiting outside the ring for someone to jump on them. Yep, I completely despise that as well. Yes, and and this is one of the, the bigger bugbears I have with AEW because it happens so much in that mm. show. Um, I, I get that you have to protect each other in the ring, but surely there's a better way to come up with than everybody just standing around that looking at the, the watchers and waiting. There must mm-hmm. be a, a better way of, of coming up with it. Um, so, yeah, that that's a, a, a very annoying one. Oh, yeah. I, I think this one needs mentioning by Andy in the chat. Uh, I had someone with a mobile up their bottom last week and someone who'd swallowed some drawing pins. Um I assume one of them is Nick Gage. <laughs> Which one? The, the mobile phone. The mobile, mobile phone. phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Andy from Bang Bang Podcast mentioned the devil, I guess, sent us a DM magsy saying he hates peas. He shoved a load up his nose as a kid. <laughs> He shoved a load up his nose as a kid and had to go to hospital to have smelling salts stuck under his nose and to get him to sneeze them out. That's that's glorious. <laughs> I, I'd be interested in which kind of peas, like petit pois or like the big marrow fat ones. Uh, frozen ones or... <laughs> a frozen pea. Well, that's where my mind went. My mind went to frozen for some reason. They may well have been. Uh, I bet they come out cooked once it finished. Mm. <laughs> mm, nose pee, mm, delicious. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, because I'll start retching. You know, funny about all snot and that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> Andy continues. I also hate adverts during podcasts, pub singers, apart from Barry from EastEnders, and John Cena's Twitter account. And he says he's got him blocked. I can get on board with John Cena's Twitter account. Oh my goodness. That guy is just so pretentious and just laugh affirming. Yeah. And it's like, all right, mate. Yeah. Wind it in a bit. Yeah. yeah you can't mate. be that positive or oh, don't go wrong. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big believer of trying to be positive when you can and so on, but you can't be that positive and that, for want of a better term, that deep all the time. Wind your neck in pal. Give your head a wobble, you know? Yeah. Bloody absolutely. hell. 
Um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about him having an issue with uh, podcast adverts. That's 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 up to him, I suppose. But being part of the chair shop, uh, there's a it keeps the lights on in the company. So um, unfortunately, it's it's a thing that we we have to do. But yeah, I, I, you can always skip past. Mm. Or listen at five yeah. times the speed, like me. So it just melds into the podcast. You're a freak. <laughs> <laughs> You're a speed listening freak. <laughs> um, Charlie, my youngest daughter, says chewing really loudly. Other people chewing really loudly. Chewing with your mouth open. That, mm. that annoys. That really annoys. I hate like chewing gum and, and bubble gum and all that sort of stuff. And, and when the kids, it's banned in my house, but sometimes the kids will sneak it in. And they, you, oh, God. <laughs> I, hate I mean, I, I don't mind it. Uh, it serves a purpose. Helps freshen your breath and helps kind of like fat the the plaque, I suppose. But yeah, when you're, when you're, well, how does a mint help fight plaque? Well, I'm just saying, you want to freshen your breath, just have a mint. You want to help fight plaque, that, brush your teeth. <laughs> that, that's fair. Do you know um, what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, the the incessant chomping uh, that mm. and. Um, the the worst one is when someone's eating something like particularly chewy, like say um, caramel, and they're going right. You fucking animal! Jesus, <laughs> I'd, I'd send them out of the room. I would send them right out of the room. There's one particular thing that I eat that I, I can't remember what it is now. So Sharon, if you remember, uh, there's one thing I eat downstairs in the front room that makes me crunch and eating like that um, oh, we, and, we and call drives... that we call that squanching in this squanching yeah it's when you have something like like say, um a boiled tweet and you right. instead of like sucking it until it goes smaller uh you're crunching it that's called squanching and yeah that's an annoying thing because everybody can hear you doing it and it yeah. pisses me off <laughs> there's something in particular that makes me what what would be the 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 word squanch? To it makes squanch, me squanch. Yeah. It makes yeah. me to squanch. <laughs> uh, Matt Willis on WhatsApp. Um, I saw your message in the chat as well, Matt, saying you've continued this on elsewhere. So I will bring that up as well in a moment. Matt Willis says uh, he has an irrational hatred for Penny Lancaster on Celebrity MasterChef. Well, I don't mind Penny Lancaster. That's Rod Stewart's ex misses in it. I don't know. I don't know who this is. Yeah, um, it seems all right. That's a that's a, I don't I'm not on board with that one, Matt. Take that one back, sir. He says she kept bragging about having her own chef at home. Bitch, you don't see Chris bragging about having one at home, that being me. <laughs> I mean, are you a chef technically? You warm things up in a hospital and give out fraudulent hormonal advice. <laughs> Why? Okay. Um, also, in and apparently they're still married, according to Matt. He's, and he also put that in capitals. He's angry that they are still married. Okay. Perhaps he d- thinks that Rod deserves better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. She's punching above her weight. Yeah. Or per- perhaps he hates her, but hates Rod Stewart even more, and thinks that she's punched. You know, I she mean, deserves better. He did sing sailing. Yeah, that's a tune. Mm. And um, oh. What's that one? That's not us. That's, not, that's, yeah, that's not Donald Summer. Is, is that yeah. not Donald Summer? I'm thinking of something else. What am I thinking of? 
Because obviously, Donna Summer, <laughs> and Donna Summer, the black lady, is so much like Rod Stewart, the white Scottish dude. You know? <laughs> Uh, what is the song I'm thinking of, Max? I'd, I'm not well versed with the Rod Stewart back catalogue, but let's uh, have a quick look. Sorry, and if you're in the chat, what's the song I'm thinking of? You'll know it. Um, Do you think I'm sexy? That's it. That's the one. That's a tune. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Okay. Well, glad we cleared that up. <laughs> <laughs> Also in the same vein, Matt continues, Joe Swash, what is the point of that waste of blood and organs? <laughs> oh, I, I don't, I find him quite funny. He's married to um, Stacey Solomon now, isn't he? I think. Oh, okay, I know who Joe Swash is then. He's on Gogglebox, hasn't he, sometimes? Yeah, he, he, he was in EastEnders for a little while and he's kind of lived off that for the rest of his career. Hmm. Okay. He won King, was he not King of the Jungle in Armour Celebrity one time? That does sound. He's, he has done other shows where I'm a celebrity, and the winners tend to stay mm-hmm. on and do other stuff, don't they? So, yeah. Um, Matt says he's not quirky. He's not funny. As Max, as Mags would say, he's stealing a living. <laughs> well, Even quoting you to mock Joe, mate. I mean, don't use my quotes against me, Matt. Um, I don't mind a bit of Joe Swash. I don't think he's particularly funny, but he's he's one of those kind of cockney cheeky chaps, isn't he? <laughs> How, how's it go? And that you'll never see me do that ever again. <laughs> uh, Matt says, I also hate <laughs> Iron Man matches in wrestling, guaranteed to be won by one fall right at the end. I mean, I've seen some that are not that way. There's <laughs> quite a famous one that involved uh, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson as a tag team that ended 2-0, as opposed to whatever it was. Uh, oh, no, sorry, that was the best out of three falls. So maybe you're right, Matt. Yeah, okay. Um <laughs> But um, I, I, I don't mind them, really. No, this this some good ones. Uh, I think the the uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey one on NXT yeah. was a banger. Yeah, we covered that for SJP, didn't we? That was that was really good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Matt also says here, Kid Rock is another hate. He single-handedly is the biggest waste of energy to have performed at WrestleMania. Now, I don't know about that because there has been some dodgy-ass performances at WrestleMania. I mean, the DX, real awfulness. The, the DX band were terrible. I don't know if that was mm. at WrestleMania, though. Yeah, that was WrestleMania 14, played Shawn Michaels yeah. to the ring when he lost to Austin. Yeah. They were awful. Yeah. He um, died, didn't he? The, the singer. The lead guy from the DX band. He died, like, literally, I think, in the last few months. Oh, wow. Didn't know that. I, I say that died in the last few months. I still think 1980 was only like 10 years ago. <laughs> so he might've been dead for a long, long time, but you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't take away the fact that his performance as a, as the singer was awful. Um, mm, no, very true. But yeah, I don't, I don't subscribe to Matt's hate of kid rock. Um, yeah. And, and Dan's a put in the, in the chat. That's a big claim when Pitbull exists and also floor rider. He was uh, mm. at WrestleMania before, and he's terrible. Mag, uh, sorry, Matt actually continues, and I can understand why he has this point, viewpoint now with the reason he's given here. Uh, they gave Kid Rock, they gave him time to do a mini set instead of letting the women have intros for the Battle Royal. And, uh, then, they, okay. and then he didn't allow them to show it on repeat. He can literally go fuck himself. That's fair. Yeah. And I, I understand That's the point it. there. But if you were talking about Kid Rock's musical um, skill, then mm. then yeah, I don't I, I don't 
subscribe to that. But yeah, if he if he if he had an issue with and caused trouble for for the wound dressers, yeah, fair play. What a wanker! Mm, yeah, so pimple dick, pimple dick indeed. Um, that sort of concludes stuff off Twitter, Facebook, DMs, WhatsApp, and, and it only took ninety minutes. Why? I mean, don't get me wrong. I am. I'm so happy that people interact with the show. It is always yeah. a joy. But why? That took. That's that's the longer than some of our episodes. And I, I dare say there was many, many more um, um, pet peeves that people had. Uh, that could be something that gets revisited. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. What about yourself, Magsy? You got any that we haven't covered yet? I suppose we covered quite a few as we were going along, didn't we? Yeah, and I, I agree with a lot of them. Some of them I don't agree with. Uh, I'll get the obvious meme out of the way. Yeah, I can't stand bubbly chocolate. We all know that. And it's very <laughs> it's a ridiculous thing to, to dislike. Um, but for, for me, um, probably the main thing is when people um, chew on their kind of wrists on, on jumpers or on the collar of T-shirts, that annoys oh, the, yeah. the living piss out of me. Um, when you do the washing up, and then somebody well, when the, I do the washing up, no, not you particularly, but you yeah. as in a person does the washing up, um, and then you'll go away and then come back, and then all of a sudden there's another a full sink of washing up. In your oh thing. my god! You when I've done the oh, when I've done the washing up, and I say to the kids, "Bring your washing up downstairs. I'm washing <laughs> up now," and yeah. then one of them will come down with a random plate twenty minutes later. I want it honestly. Oh, I'd, I'd do time for that, I that, swear to God. You know? <laughs> that, that annoys um, when uh, people leave shoes about, that annoys when the, probably the biggest kind of ridiculous grand I have is um, is with people's courts. Like I mentioned, we have a vestibule where you can hang courts up, so people have to pass it's through. Vestibule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people have to pass through that area to come into the house. Yeah, but but yet they'll come in and they'll they'll hang the coat up on on the the balustrade going up the stairs. That and you think you went past where the courts belong. Why didn't you just leave the court there? Oh. Instead, you came further into the building and hung it over the 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 pole at the end of the stairs. Yeah, that and I'm forever going back and and hanging people's courts up. Um, eventually, I'm gonna take a Stanley knife to them and, and just cut them up but that <laughs> that's some kind of real sociopath behavior that is you know? <laughs> i even i even once had um kind of um um i, I want to call it a, like a lost property box where because we have uh, people in our house have a tendency to i've finished with an item it'll i'll leave it where i finish with it i won't right. put it back where it belongs or i won't uh i won't return it i'll just leave it so I'd go around and like, oh, that's there, and I'd put it in the box. And if it wasn't claimed, like in a in a few days, I'm gonna I'm gonna cop it in the bin. Um, for a, for a few days, then it, it, everything was picked up, and then the box went away, and then all of a sudden it happened again, and people leave the stuff around. That kind of stuff annoys me. It's, yeah, it's pathetic, really. Uh, but yeah, it does absolutely annoy me. Oh, a couple of things that get me that haven't been mentioned, mate. Uh, people who smell. That drives me mad. People who have BO, or I don't know if I'm overly sensitive to it. Bad breath. Uh, yeah. Oh my god, that drives me mad. Because I just have a fucking wash, mate. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, plugs being left on at night. That drives me batty when the plugs when the kids being are left on. Yeah, plugs being left on. So like, 
uh, I'll go in the I'll go in the kids' rooms before I go to bed. Last thing I do is I lock up downstairs and I'll go in and check all the kids before I go to bed, even though they're, they're much older now. So like I'm, you know, it's just force of habit. And there'll be little standby lights all dotted around the room. Okay. Where stuff's been left on standby, and it's like just turn your plug off, just turn your plug off. I mean, you know, that drives me insane. And I get it from my dad because my dad used to go around turning the plugs off at night as well. That that's annoying that you're annoyed by that why <laughs> i mean it doesn't affect me it doesn't, it doesn't happen it doesn't happen in my house i suppose but yeah um i've never got the it's kind of really an old school mentality of making yeah. sure you turn all the plugs off oh 100 uh, when, when really it's uh there's so many safety protocols built into to plug fittings nowadays that it's not even the thing is it's not just it's not just say the telly that's on standby. It can be like there's an extension lead, and I don't know what's in that extension lead. Okay, so they could, they could have a phone charger, a, a, a gaming charger, or, or what, loads of stuff running off this extension lead. But because I see the telly is on standby, I know that those plugs are still on, and that drives me batty. You know. Uh, and lastly, it's where and I, I annoy myself with this. Uh, well, clutter and mess and so on, as we as we said about Maxi, drives me nuts. Um, yeah, Sharon there in the chat saying I have a real issue with electrical. Yeah, I, I really do. Um, I do turn the kettle off when I go to bed. Yeah, I turn the kettle off at the plug. Yeah, I can't leave it on. The only thing I leave on is the fridge and the freezer. That that's that feels like you're giving yourself more work by having to turn them back on. Well, this is what I was going to say. The thing that drives me mad as well is my own. I suppose you'd call it OCD, but I don't really know what you know. And it's a case of I I got my routine at bedtime. And I'll go around locking the doors, checking the windows. Even though it's winter now, I know the windows have not been opened. I will still check the windows, uh, check the, uh, and then I'll, I'll check the freezer, the bottom freezer, and the fridge are shut by pushing them all. Um, okay. And then I'll go up to bed, check the kids' rooms, and go to bed. Now, if I get into bed, I can be led there for half an hour, knowing full well I have touched the fridge, the freezer, and the other freezer to make sure that the you know the air seal. It is yeah. is shut. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To make sure, I, I know I've done it, but if it enters my mind, oh, did I do that one freezer? I've got to get up, go downstairs, and do the whole thing again. Otherwise, I I can't I can't function. I can't sleep. It drives, I I I, make, I lie in bed getting angrier and angrier and angrier. That's that's way worse than my hatred of arrows. You reckon? Yeah. Well, I want the fridge shut properly to keep my arrows cold. But you've you should <laughs> yeah, but you know, just the same as when we go out. I'll check the front door. I'll get in the car, and then yeah, it's, it does sound stereotypically OCD. Yeah, cheers, Dan. <laughs> You're probably right. We'll, we'll lock the front door. I'll get in the car. We'll be halfway down the road, and I'll say to the missus, "I'll lock the front door," and she'll just be like, "We're not going back," and it'll, it'll be on my mind the whole time we're out. You may need therapy. Yeah, I do sound a bit mental, don't I? Yeah. Should we talk a bit of wrestling, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I dare now, but uh, let's do yeah. it. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Because this is a wrestling podcast. A hundred minutes in. My goodness. I hope everyone's buckling up, sitting down, relaxing. Because we still got more to cover, and this is better than watching England score double digits against a load of farmers, isn't it? Eh? And this is going to be a nice light topic that's definitely not going to go uh, very deep um, no. or political. Yeah, no. this one there be won't fun. be arguments or you know <laughs> anything like that. Um, basically, Montreal. 
the screw job in 1997 um, oh, which was which was this week uh 24 years ago that's right that's right so it ties in quite nicely there uh the what happened i think every wrestling fan is aware of if you don't know um, then I suggest you go and check out, just literally type it into Google because you'll get a million hits, responses, whatever. But there's so much. Yeah, exactly. FIFA Connor 16 in the chat. <laughs> Nothing controversial there. Yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. There's so much that went on in the build-up to this mm-hmm. match. So much that went on after the match, why it happened, who knew, who was in the right is always a big one for me. Something that gets missed quite often as well, Maxie, is the match itself, I think. Yeah, I mean, we said just as much um, last week when we was uh, when we was harping up the pick. Um, it there's so much kind of story and lore and and, and kind of uh, uh, who done it about this uh, this whole mm-hmm. incident that the match is 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 usually overshadowed. Yes, yes. So I mean, we will get into the match itself. I mean, to be honest, though, watching it back, there's not masses to cover, but it is still quite good i mean you know it gets overlooked unfairly i think mm-hmm. i mean it it's in terms of actual wrestling there's maybe 15 minutes yeah. um but the whole uh the whole that uh, uh section that it's got is about half an hour on the on the pay-per-view but we could talk for hours and hours about the the build-up to it what happened uh who did what and then also what happened after as well so there's uh certainly a lot to cover Mm. And Sharon in the chat there saying, don't you dare badmouth my dad. Because as anyone who listens to the show will know, uh, Sharon was led to believe that Bret Hart was her father when she was very, very little by her mum. I'm afraid, Sharon, I'm going to say a few things that could upset you here. But we'll get to that in a moment. Um, Magsy, where do you want to start, mate? Because there's so much, isn't there? Well, I mean, the... There is, like I said, there's so much law, uh, and um, as as I said at the beginning of the show, this was uh, the really one of the first times I've I've really got a hell of a lot of notes. I normally do bullet points just to mm. kind of uh, give reminders, but uh, there's so much to tell about the build up to this uh, that I, th- I think we need to go right back to the beginning. This kind of starts uh, in 1992 when Bret Hart yeah. actually first wins the, the, the WF title, that kind of um, inspires Shawn Michaels to, to kind of scratch and claw his way to the, the top of the card. He wanted to be the guy in wrestling, uh, and he wasn't afraid to um, step over or, um, or kind of uh, put down anybody on his way there. I mean, you, we got the whole kind of a overshadowing of Diesel at WrestleMania 11, um, then he went on and won the belt himself in uh, WrestleMania 12. Um, but I think for the the reason that this started to brew into a, um, a rivalry and a hatred was the way Shawn Michaels acted when he was a champion was totally kind of like um, uh, in stark contrast to how Brett was. Brett mm. was the kind of like the wholesome, uh, you, should, um, you should be somebody that the company can be proud of. Shawn Michaels was the the epitome of a douchebag champion, politic in his way to the top. Um, so then, uh, when we get to about 1996, when um, uh, Brett had had a um, his hiatus because of um, 
because of uh, losing to, to Sean. He came back and he made a, a, a point of ripping into Sean's attitude, ripping into the fact he did Playgirl, the way that he acted, uh, and that kind of like sparked off what would happen over the next year or so. Yeah, yeah. You also had the rumblings in the background, didn't you, of, of Brett's contract, which mm-hmm. is obviously the, the big issue coming up with, with the whole Montreal data and so on. Brett was initially signed famously to a 20-year deal by Vince McMahon. And this yeah. was to wrestle for X amount of years at a high pay rate, so which would then deteriorate was, down. Yeah, so the, the contract was three years as a wrestler at 1.5 mm-hmm. mil. Uh, then it went down to, I think, 900,000 for seven years as like a, an ambassador. Mm-hmm. And then 10 years uh, as kind of like uh, on the sidelines for a quarter of a million a year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he had this huge long-term contract that, that was presented to him that he'd signed. The issue, though, going forward was they couldn't afford it, amazingly, looking at the money that they make now, that, that they couldn't honour this contract. So they had to renegotiate with Brett. Brett was allowed to go and speak with WCW to see if there's any uh, any offer on the table there, which there, which there naturally was. WCW had been interested in him for many, many years. And that's where we kind of get to a problem, isn't it, Max? Yeah, I think uh, you're kind of glossing over some of the... the 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 major issues here. So uh, Vince signed him to this contract, uh, uh, and Dan says in the chat he he doesn't believe that Vince could necessarily afford it at the time. Mm. Uh, and I think Vince was hoping for a, an upturn that bringing Brett back would uh, bring a, an upturn in in uh, revenue. Uh, when that didn't come, leading into uh, Survivor Series, I think around the first of November, he essentially said to Brett, "I can't afford this contract." Now, we have a couple of options. One is to um, defer the payment and hope that we uh, get on the right, uh, uh, right side of the finances and I can pay Yeah, you. he wanted to sort of the bulk of the early money he was going to put back to the end of the contract, wasn't he? Yeah. He was hoping. Well, yeah, sort of yeah. Effectively an IOU, I guess. So Brett, who was uh, already disillusioned with the company uh, because of what had happened uh, in the build-up to, to Survivor Series, uh, he totally reneged that said no absolutely not so that's when uh vince said um then i've got no option to allow you to uh, seek a contract elsewhere uh in fact offering to help kind of negotiate that deal with wcw yeah uh but there was a, an interesting clause that's uh very rarely talked about uh in this contract uh that um when it got to the final 30 days of the contract of his wrestling contract uh brett had uh, a clause that gave him reasonable creative control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when Brett uh, left, uh, well, when Brett uh, signified his uh, his intention to leave to WCW after Survivor Series, that activated that clause. So he uh, he had a reasonable creative control about over his character work, just so essentially the company couldn't bury him in the last month or so, and he could uh, leave on his own terms. Yeah, why would he think that would happen? Eh? Why would he think that he'd get buried? I mean, it's, that's not exactly. something that the WWE would do, is it? Also, before this time, you get, I suppose, the background of the rivalry, the real-life backstage rivalry between <laughs> Brett and Sean, where you had issues with, for example, the plans over WrestleMania, from WrestleMania 12 to 13. <laughs> the, the rematch of WrestleMania 12's main event between the two was supposed to take place at 13. That was initial plans. Sean did the infamous of lost my smile speech 
vacated the title when they were trying to get him to drop it to Vince. Uh, sorry, drop it to Vince. That's nonsense. Drop it to Sid that week because of a knee injury. He said, I'm not doing that. So again, like you said, Magsy, politicking his way to yeah. a scenario where he's going to vacate the belt. And, and famously, no one knew Sean was going to stand in the ring and basically say, my mum's lost, tells me I've lost my smile. He was supposed to vacate the title with a knee injury. And then we go to the final four pay-per-view for the vacant championship. What Michaels did really sort of scuppered things going forward because everyone's then not thinking, oh, Sean's out of an injury. They're thinking, you know, is it some kind of depression situation or whatever? And that's another, I suppose, string to the, the rivalry between them. You also get the incident where Brett is in the wheelchair. Um, if you remember, Mags, the end of an episode of Raw, building up to their the, the feud, their matches, and so on going forward. Brett's in a wheelchair. Sean is supposed to stand there, take a, a certain level of abuse from Brett from this promo. Brett is supposed to say a certain a certain line or a certain cue, to which Sean Michaels would superkick Brett out of the chair, and that's where the show would go off the air. Mm-hmm. So Sean wouldn't. Sean would almost get Brett would get his comeuppance for running his mouth, so to speak. Brett, despite cameramen referees and everybody else around telling him we're running out of time hit the queue hit the queue hit the queue simply ignored them apparently according to the likes of bruce pritchard and jim ross there's no way he didn't see these cues he chose not to give the cue to sean for the super kick eventually when sean got the super kick in they were off air sean was livid because it ended the show with him standing there just getting dogs abuse off brett and making him look a chump so he had all yeah. these little things going on didn't you that sort of uh, the hatred was there anyway, but it was building and building and building towards this yeah. November date, Mags, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and to go back to um, uh, the, the 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 dropping of the towel, uh, Brett was already suspicious that that that, uh, that Sean wasn't injured; that it was only mm-hmm. uh, he was only dropping the towel, so he didn't have to lose. Um, yes. there was a conversation. Well, he had track record that already, didn't he? That was in yeah. his past already. Yeah, I think there's a there's been a write up by uh, I think Adam Pacitti at Coltolico who said uh, that Shawn Michaels uh, relinquished the title more times than he actually lost it to mm. to put somebody over. Uh, but yeah, uh, Brett was suspicious that the injury was was fake, uh, and then it kind of like rubber stamped to him when he faced Austin at WrestleMania, and then he saw Shawn Michaels uh, backstage getting ready to do uh, commentary for the main event. Uh, and he said he, he saw him dancing around in the ring doing his trademark pause. And he said, if he had a knee injury, there's no way he'd be able to pull yeah. stuff off like that. Yeah. And then uh, we get into the the part where it starts to get really personal. Uh, stuff like the there was promos that mentioned uh, Stu Hart being dead. Uh, and then obviously the, the infamous... Uh, Sunny Days promo where uh, Shawn Michaels kind of alluded to Bret Hart having an affair. Um, this apparently led to a, a, a real shoot fight between mm-hmm. the two. Uh, Unsafe um, working environment, Sean cited, didn't he? Well, They've, that's because but, a, a huge chunk of his hair was pulled out by Bret. Yes. Uh, Shawn Michaels got hold of the hair, threw it at Vince McMahon, said, uh, I quit. Uh, it's an unsafe working environment. And this is kind of like the start of a roller coaster where um, McMahon is is always siding with Sean. 
Uh, it's always Brett who has to be the person who backs down, and it's Sean who, who Vince clearly sees has the future of the company. Vince mm-hmm. uh, sees uh, Sean as the the guy who will lead him uh, into this new generation, and maybe that Brett uh, was his contract was too expensive. He was uh, stuck in the past. He he believed in the kind of cartoon world of wrestling. Whereas Sean was more reality based, the the fans were clearly um, more chanting for him. Um, so Vince picked his side, and he was notorious for for doing that, playing wrestlers off each other uh, and picking favourites. Um, so yeah, that that's essentially uh, builds up to um, uh, King of the Ring, which which was meant to be a match between the two. That got cancelled. Shawn Michaels ended up, I think, facing Austin that King of the Ring. And then there's uh, an issue that Brett had with uh, with Sean turning heel. Now, if you remember in early uh, 1997, Brett had turned heel for the first time in yes. in in over a decade since he was in the tag team. Yeah, and he, he felt that Sean was going to almost steal his heat, didn't he, as the number one heel? Well, and where would it leave Brett I, to go? I think there's no ifs, ands, or buts about whether it stole the heel. Um, Sean Michaels turned heel at, at SummerSlam. He went on to... Uh, to feud with the Undertaker, mm-hmm. Bret Hart ended up feuding with the Patriot. So yeah. it Good old really Del Yeah, yeah, it, it pushed him uh, all the way back down the car. And it, as champion, uh, mind as well. I think this is an important thing to remember as well. Mm-hmm. For part of that run, Bret was well, part of that run, Bret was still champion. And you had the, the Hell in a Cell match, of course, main evented Bad Blood. And I understand why that would be, but Bret's matches, often title matches were lower than Sean and Undertaker. Mm-hmm. Was yep. it Unforgiven, maybe in your house, Unforgiven, where Sean and Taker, we covered it for this show, I believe, Maxi, a while ago. It was one of your options that won the poll. I know it doesn't narrow it down because you have so many. But <laughs> <laughs> I believe that Sean and Taker headlined the pay-per-view, whereas Brett was lower down the card defending the championship. So yeah. you can understand from one aspect why, almost CM Punk-esque, why Brett was frustrated yeah. with... with on the card but at the same time again i'm gonna constantly try and play devil's advocate here and put a different spin on on everything that is said whether i believe it or not at the same time we know brett's going why would you have him in your main events yeah i mean but but this was happening way before brett uh had signified that he was leaving way before vince had had, had said we can't afford you i mean mm-hmm. um there's a uh, an incident uh that uh happens at one night only and that was in september um yeah and th- this was not only just a starting to attack Brett, this was now starting to affect Brett and his family. Essentially, Shawn Michaels was in, meant to be in a European title match uh, against the British Bulldog, meant to put the Bulldog over because it was in, in England uh, and the Bulldog's uh, sister was uh, was suffering from cancer at the time mm, and yeah. he wanted to, to kind of dedicate that win to his sister. Um, Shawn Michaels essentially went to Vince and said, it'd be a better story if, if I won the title and then Bulldog won it back later down the line. That match, that rematch never happened. Uh, and it, it was just one more kind of like little way that Shawn Michaels could have a dig at the, yeah. the heart foundation, I suppose. Yeah, totally. Uh, but again, this is, this is something else. Uh, again, me trying to play devil's advocate, I suppose the politicking of Shawn Michaels here. People go, oh, what a scumbag. He's politicking his way to the top. He's screwing other wrestlers and so on. This isn't something new. This is something that's been, it, this has been the wrestling business 
it still history. is the wrestling business. Of course, it is. You, you, mm-hmm. Cena has been accused of it. Triple H, famously during his run in the in the two thousands, was famous. You know, the Booker T incident, the way the way Scott Steiner was dealt with at the time, and so on. Uh, Hogan was one of the biggest politickers of all time. Steve Austin was an absolute git for it, you know. But people forget about that because everyone loves Steve Austin. But he was terrible for it. He used to really protect his spot because there was a lot of competition back then. You can go way back to Buddy Rogers and so on, not wanting to lose certain matches in a certain place at certain times. This isn't new behaviour, but I think sometimes it's easy to hate on Sean for this behaviour because it is being a dickhead and the person being affected is someone that we all grew up loving in Brett. Yeah, absolutely. So we're getting uh, closer to the day now, uh, I suppose, with the, the timeline is is flowing and heading into Montreal. Um, then we hear uh, rumours of, of Shawn Michaels talking to Vince, saying, um, I don't know if, if Brett is going to do the job. I don't know if he's going to do uh, what's be- best for business, which is kind of ironic coming from him when, uh, mm. when he essentially uh, had a conversation with Brett where Brett said, look, I don't like you, you don't like me, but for for the sake of the company, uh, I will always be willing to do what's best for business. If that means dropping the title to you, that means dropping the title to you. Uh, and in front of a packed locker room, Shawn Michaels said, just so you know, I would not be willing to do the same. Um, yeah, so that's this a dickhead kind of, move, isn't it? Yeah, and th- this really kind of affected Brett. Uh, because he believed in the the sanctity of, of the wrestling business. So he refused to drop the title uh, to Shawn Michaels. And as part of that kind of a creative control clause that he had, he was legally well within his right to do so. He even offered multiple different scenarios where um, they would get the title off him. Um, I think one thing he made abundantly clear was he wouldn't, do um, what Medusa did and take the title with him and throw it in the bin. He would want to uh, leave the company on as good a terms as possible. Uh, he offered to drop the title to Ken Shamrock. Uh, he even offered to drop it to Brooklyn Brawler. Uh, eventually, he was talked round to drop it to Shawn Michaels, um, but Shawn was ad- uh, hit, uh, Brett was adamant that this would not be happening on Canadian soil. He was a very, mm. very proud Canadian, uh, which which meant. The, the Survivor Series was off the cards, that he would not lose the title at Survivor Series with it being in Montreal. And this is where the double cross starts to kind of um, take shape. So we had uh, Triple H and, and Shawn Michaels having Vince's ear, saying, what are we going to do if he refuses to do business? You then have Jim Cornette kind of planting the seed that, Vince, this is your company, uh, just double cross him, uh, it's your title. Um, so yeah, then then we get to the week of uh, the week of uh, Survivor Series, and uh, whilst Bret Hart was um, having his last WWF appearance on U.S. soil, uh, I think it was in Detroit. That was on on the the eighth of uh, November. Vince, uh, Sean, Triple H, and and uh, the rest of Vince's team were already in Montreal. They were having uh, production meetings about how the matches would go and more specifically how they would get that title out of the grasps of Bret Hart. Um, now, there is a lot of rumour and innuendo about who was uh, in those meetings. Uh, a lot of the Hart family believed that JR was heavily involved. Uh, he's flat out denied being, in, being involved uh, whatsoever. 
Pat Patterson was also accused of being involved, but uh, according to uh, Vince, JR and Pat were specifically excluded from those meetings because of their roles Mm. with the talent. I think JR was head of talent relations and um, Pat Patterson was the the chief road agent. Yes, the agent, yes. So he was the agent them, for this match. Yeah. I mean, and Patterson, we'll apparently... We will get to that. Yeah. The, the finish. Um, but uh, Vince didn't want them involved, apparently, because of their close relationships with the wrestlers. He uh, he didn't want the wrestlers not feeling they could trust JR or not feeling that they, could, they couldn't trust uh, Patterson. But uh, everybody confirms that Gerald Briscoe was involved in yes. the meeting. Uh, because he taught Sean some defense moves in case Brett attacked him when the when the screw job happened. Um, but um, Vince also stated that he wanted Sean Michaels to act like he wasn't aware of it because he wanted all the blame to be put on Vince. He was willing to, mm. to essentially carry the can. Um, I, I presume, obviously, knowing what happens after that, that it was to start the the genesis of the the Mister McMahon character. Because obviously, a couple of weeks after, we get the whole Brett screw Brett, which starts off. Well, on that, bit- on that. Sorry, Maxie, just interrupt. No, on that, with, with um, with the note of the Mister McMahon character, they, they were talking. I say they, Cornet, Russo, and Pritchard. Apparently, when you listen to Russo, not not so much Cornet, but you listen to Russo and Pritchard on their separate shows. They were saying to Vince, go out on television, be yourself. You'll be the biggest heel in the company. He genuinely didn't believe people would boo him. He thought people would like him. And so, so when he went and did the the infamous Brett Screwed Brett promo or interview, he didn't believe, again, according to Russo and Pritchard. And I'm, I'm trying to quote as direct as I can here, but excuse me if I get a few words wrong. He didn't believe that people were going to view him as the villain. He believed that people were going to look at Brett in this scenario as the villain and people would be like, good old Vince doing what's best for the company and yeah. so on. That's what he took it as. And the Mr. McMahon character kind of stemmed from that when he started getting booze and they ran with it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost like it was a happy accident in a way because Vince didn't believe it was going to happen, I guess. Well, happy for, for Vince and the company, not so much yes. happy for the talent. Well, um, no, yeah. So let's go back to those uh, those meetings. Um, the the production meetings actually ended closing with actually no definitive finish. There was uh, mm-hmm. they couldn't figure out a way of of uh, getting the title from Brett without um, essentially Brett knowing what was going to go on. Yeah. Obviously, you have pre production meetings and you speak with agents about how the match is going to go, but the struggle was getting that finish that there could be a point where the screw could the screw job could happen um and brett would be none the wiser and this so, is again where brett you need to point out with brett this is where i think he wasn't helpful and again i'm 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 going by what these people have said on their own podcasts and what has been written and so on uh, you know I've, I've heard their voices recorded saying these things I've got to take them at face value. Yeah. They they are saying, and this does involve Cornette, this does involve Russo, and this does involve Pritchard. Three people who don't really get along. So I suppose you've got the three people saying the same thing. There must be some element of truth in there. They knew 10 days to, to 14 days, roughly, that he wasn't going to stay after Survivor Series. So they had two weeks to sort something out. And suggestions were thrown at Brett all the time. Mm-hmm. What about this? What about that? What about if you drop it to here? What about if you drop it to Sid here? And Sid was brought up a few times. What about if you drop it to Sean 
in this city? What about if you drop it this way? And, and all this sort of stuff. And Brett just constantly said, no, 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 no. And the big thing that all three of these people confirm that I think sometimes gets overlooked with regards to Bret Hart and how he's viewed as poor Brett in this scenario in some circles, he would just say no and offer nothing else. Yeah. It was very much a one-way conversation. He was he was he was he wasn't playing ball, so to speak. Yeah. So I think that, and, and, that contributes and, to him making a rod for his own back going into Survivor Series, I think. If he wasn't willing to just open the dialogue, what options were left, really, I guess? Yeah, and, and if you listen to the Bruce Pitchard uh, podcast uh, in particular, um, he he always says that uh, Vince is, is open to ideas. Um, mm. If you don't particularly agree with, uh, with uh, his idea or his view, then that's fine, but offer an alternative. Don't just say, I don't agree with it yes. and, and nothing. So I, I, I totally What if, see- I think, is the phrase that this Jim Ross <laughs> says that is best to use, I guess, or yeah. is it Pritchard? One of them anyway. Sorry, mate, yeah. Yeah, so so you you are, are perfectly astute in 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 that point that that Brett he wasn't playing ball, but then again, no. legally he didn't have to because he had that creative control. Mm-hmm. But you would have thought that he would have offered up alternatives, and he he really he was very um, reticent, I suppose, in in not wanting to to uh, be a part of this 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 finish, no matter what. Um, so we get to the, the a couple of days before the match, or um, no, in fact, it was the, the the day before, the night before, and the uh, HBK and and uh, Brett are talking with Patterson, who was the renowned Finnish guy for WWF yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, and Patterson came up with an idea of a, a sharpshooter reversal, where um, Brett would be in uh, the sharpshooter, Shawn Michaels uh, cranking back on his legs, uh, and he would sweep uh, HBK. Uh, reverse the move, then um, let it, let it go to uh, to wake up um, Earl Hebner, uh, and that's when the rest of the Heart Foundation will come down. Shenanigans would happen, and we get the the DQ finish that that Vince was trying to placate Brett with. Mm-hmm. Brett would then be still be champion at the end of the show, and he would relinquish the title the next night on Raw. But the 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 point that that Shawn Michaels uh, focused on was that reversal of the sharpshooter. He went to Vince with that idea, said that is our get out. That's that's where the screw job will happen. Uh, Vince was a hundred percent behind it. Briscoe was hundred percent behind it. Even Cornet apparently uh, really liked the idea. So they let Brett think that the DQ was on, that, that he would reverse that sharpshooter, but really. All the players were were set in motion to to screw him at that that sharpshooter. Yeah, except yeah. for one player, Earl Hebner. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't happy, was he? Well, Earl had actually had a conversation with Brett a couple of weeks before, where Brett had had heard rumblings that maybe get uh, screwed. I think Vader told him uh, at the time, "Don't stay on your back. Uh, keep you keep out of a kind of a, any uh, moves where you could be submitted." Um, I think the, uh, a screw a screw job is on. Um, so taking that on board, Brett and Earls had a conversation, and, and Brett said, "Are you involved in a screw? Are you going to screw me?" And Earl said, "On my kid's life, I am going to call this down the middle. I am loyal to you, Brett. Absolutely loyal to you." But the night of the show, 
Um, now, depending on whose rumours you believe, Sean Michael said it was him that approached Earl Hebner and told him what what was going to happen. Earl himself has said it was Vince McMahon who told him what, what was going to happen. But essentially, somebody told Earl that when uh, Sean Michael's locks in the sharpshooter, that's that's when you call for the bell, the match is over, uh, Sean loses the champion. Uh, Earl was essentially petrified because he yeah. made this promise to Brett uh, and now he was going to have to, have to um, essentially renege on it um, mm-hmm. to to the point where he left the building the minute the match was over. You can he, see when he calls for the bell. I mean, the image you've got behind us there, Max, is that moment. And he, <laughs> he literally, as he's calling for the bell, he's going to the ropes to get out of the way, isn't he? He's, he's off. He's on his uh, bike. According to the rumour and innuendo, his uh, twin brother Dave was mm. waiting outside yeah. the, the <laughs> arena with a car and they hightailed it. Um, All his gear was already packed up and in the boot of the car and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, we're now at that point where we we get we're at the match. Um, so let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah, sure. Um, as you said, Max, about, about fifteen minutes or so of actual wrestling. Uh, but I call it actual wrestling. It was it was just a chaotic brawl for quite a lot of it, wasn't it? And it was good. It was really good. Um, I mean, I, Sean was hated. Let's, yeah. let's, oh. let's not beat around the bush. He was getting beer through on him and spat at by mm-hmm. the fans. That a lot of face, were- man. You look at the, the um, first of all the, the the intros to the ring. I loved that walking from the dressing room through the whole backstage area, following them. Sean's music hitting him walking out and he's got the European title folded up almost that's mm-hmm. all tucked in a little bit under his arm and he's chewing gum and he just looks so smarmy and cocky and I but it's brilliant isn't it what a comp- uh, he was such a good bastard and then he, he gets hold of a Canadian flag and, oh my uh, goodness oh, that's that's brave that what he did, I, I'm surprised he left that arena still in one piece because mm. he uh he um essentially wipes his his ass with the the flag he picks his nose with the flag he even attempts to kind of uh put the flag down the front of his uh of his um tarts yeah he, he did didn't he? he had it down the front of his tights and did sort of yeah. a, a funny little wiggle and then took yeah. it back out again it was yeah okay mate <laughs> he drew nuclear heat mm. Like not even oh I hate you because of the storyline like the, that crowd wanted to kill him, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. It's what it's what you know. It's what he needs yeah, to do. I mean, he's doing if, his job. Before even Brett comes to the ring, you see the front uh, the front say four or five rows on on the the hard cam side just plow forward to the to the uh, the the security rail, and there's about three security guards all trying to hold them back, and at any one time some three or four of those could have got over and just beat the living piss out of him. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Brett makes his entrance and is obviously widely cheered. Mm-hmm. And the match just starts with a scrap, doesn't it? It starts with a brawl, spills to the outside very quickly. The bell's not rang at this stage and they, they're fighting all around the outside area over the barrier into the crowd. And that bit's, that, that bit's really crazy, isn't it? Because the fans are right there. You, you see Mark Kyoda, I think it's Jimmy Carderas as, as well, trying the best to hold these fans back to mm. no avail. The fans were, there's no way those referees could have held them fans back. Uh, so it was brave that they actually went for that spot. And I have a feeling that they were maybe meant to go further into the crowd and maybe go around the arena a little bit. But I think it got so so much of kind of like um, uh, a 
powder keg that that they quickly come back, especially the first time that they're, they're yeah. into into the crowd. Uh, Brett uh, walks about say ten yards and then thinks, "Yeah, th- this is a bit on top," and put and, and brings uh, Sean back and essentially um, suplexes him back over the the barrister uh, the barricade. Yeah, we got some big bumps on the concrete as well, don't we? The the, the suplex is a backdrop, I think, as well. Um, it, they look quite obviously you're dropping onto concrete floor. It's not going to be nice, is it? Mm-hmm. And 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 there's one kind of interesting thing that we we haven't really mentioned. There's a lot of people around the ring. Yes, a lot that's of what I was going to come to normally next. Be around the ring. Sergeant, Sergeant Slaughter, Slaughter was there. Yeah. Vince McMahon wasn't there, yeah. and this is a Vince McMahon who was lead announcer, lead commentary uh, mm-hmm. for all of the shows, apart and from this one. He was just one. stood at ringside, wasn't he? Yeah. So really strange. Looking back in hindsight, with the way uh, Jim Ross commentated at the beginning, just uh, trying to tell how much of a blood feud this was and how you could expect the unexpected and, and this is going to go ugly fast. It's it's interesting to, to realise just how much everybody knew about this, the way that they were talking, going back and watching it, knowing what happens in, in the aftermath. I, I believe people knew. I believe that okay. that, that Jim and and Jerry were at least aware of what something what was going on. Uh, Jim makes a lot of uh, comments about uh, Vince being around the uh, the ringside. Why would he be yeah. there? He also comments a few times about the smart money is you'll never see Bret Hart in the WWF again mm-hmm. and yep. stuff like that. Which I kind of now you you don't think nothing of it watching the match back but i suppose you place yourself into 97 with what was going on the monday night wars uh, the dirt sheets all, all this paranoia almost and then you hear a comment like that that i think that i think would have had me thinking well okay well jim ross must know yeah and and this was an era where the internet was uh was burgeoning people would get were more and more active uh in in like uh, bulletin boards and forums and so you saw a lot of uh, stuff in the crowd, like um, signs saying uh, "Thanks for Brett." I uh, hope you have a good time in WCW. Or mm. Brett is Brett will join the NWO. Uh, some not so good signs as well. Uh, one of them uh, um, saying a, a very kind of a homophobic slur towards Shawn Michaels, which is yes, yeah, it's horrific. Referring to Shawn as an English term, cigarette that is sometimes slang for a cigarette. Yes, yeah. Yeah, not not good. But he got a lot of that. I'm not saying it's okay, but that was he got a lot of that, didn't he? Not just in Montreal, he got a lot of people calling him that sort of thing. Yeah. Um basically we end up with with the wrestlers back in the ring eventually after a figure four round the post by Brett on Sean, which I love that spot. It's all, you know, when it's done right and the wrestler who's in the move doesn't necessarily have to hold on to the other wrestler's legs to make it work. I think it looks great, and Brett always does it so so well. Uh, yeah. We also get a figure four in the ring, don't we? He's in the ring for quite a while in that one, isn't he? Yeah, and, and we also get uh, Brett uh, essentially choking Shaw Michaels with the, the Quebec flag. That's literally as the bell rings as well. That's that's what the thing, the bell rings, and then he starts choking him. So to me, there you go. That could have been the DQ finish right there. So, <laughs> you and, know, and, and, and then there's I think there's a, another point where... Um, Sean grabs the, the the Canadian flag that Brett brought out, snaps the 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 flagpole, and essentially drives the flagpole into into mm. the the throat of Brett Hart. Yeah, but I mean that's that's kind of it up to the finish, isn't it? The mad brawling and and chaos and 
then we get we do get some wrestling and brett tends to be the one who's in control i guess for the majority of it but out of that sort of 15 minutes of actual match time the majority of it is a wild brawl with just this nuclear heat isn't it max yeah i mean in the ring there's very very little very basic wrestling i think you see uh there's a sean does a uh a top row axe double axe handle um then he does a front face lock which seems to last forever yeah that was um, a long time wasn't it yeah so the uh in terms of actual proper wrestling there's not a lot but that kind of makes sense because this was a this was a blood feud. These two weren't here to put on a technically uh, a, a outstanding match. Mm. These were here to to literally beat the living piss out of each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we come to the moment that I think changed wrestling forever, really. Mm-hmm. It started the Mr. McMahon character. It kind of blew what little remnants of that was left of kayfabe away, I guess. And the Miss McMahon character obviously led to the rise of Austin, the Attitude Era, and and, and the, I suppose in the long run, the death of WCW. Uh, so much stemmed from this moment. Okay, granted, there's lots of other things that happened in between this and those mm-hmm. those those other dates, but you can trace pretty much everything back to this exact moment it's, in it's November very, in 97. It's very much a butterfly effect. Yes, exactly, where, yes. That's good way of putting it. This happens, and it leads to so many uh, other things down the road. The rise of the Mr. McMahon character, the death of WCW, uh, Brett eventually being uh, injured to the point where he can't ever wrestle again. So, yeah, so much uh, so much uh, huge changes in the wrestling mm. business stem from this, this very, this last 30 seconds or so. Yeah, exactly. We end up with a ref bump. Um, so essentially uh, we get a Russian leg sweep I think from Brett uh, he does a, a snap suplex goes to do um, um, some off the top rope Sean pulls Earl in into the way which was meant to lead to the DQ finish that we spoke about um, where we get the, the reversal of the sharpshooter yes. um, Brett then is, was meant to relinquish the sharpshooter wake uh, Earl up for for the pin Um which then leads to the Heart Foundation coming down, shenanigans, brawling, and DQ. But what actually happened was Sean pulls Earl in front of him. Earl goes down, all going to plan back so far. Sean then puts the sharpshooter on. And Earl then, gets better all of a sudden. Earl magically <laughs> rises from the dead. Um, like an Italian footballer who hasn't won his free kick, he jumps to his feet. Exactly. Uh, does this this maniacal kind of arm waving to uh, almost kind of fake that yeah. Brett is telling him I quit I quit go, uh, goes to ring for the bell um, the bell doesn't ring because obviously the 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 uh, person the timekeeper is not in on the not in on the screw job Vince you can audibly hear him saying to the timekeeper ring mm-hmm. the bell ring the fucking bell um, so the bell gets rung Sean puts on this fake kind of uh, shock, I don't know what's going on bullshit. Um, Vince uh, and Gerald Briscoe tell him to grab the belt and get out of here. Sean's um, literally arguing with uh, with Gerald and Gerald's pushing him out of the way. Um, Brett realises the, the con was on, sits in the ring, despondent, stands up, just just hocks up oh, a, a massive snotty um, borger, what a movie that was. 
spits it clean in Vince's face. Vince is actually fuming at that point. Um, but Sean is being ushered out of the arena. Uh, Triple H uh, and Gerald Briscoe are pushing him out. He doesn't get to celebrate. He essentially, the, his celebration is just as he gets to the 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 uh, the tunnel. He puts his arms up once with the title, and then we essentially fade to black. Mm-hmm. Now, after the after the show uh, closes, um, Brett is fuming. The Heart Foundation are fuming. They all they all come down. Uh, they try to calm Brett down. Um, he writes WCW in huge letters. Uh, then he also tells the the fans that he, he loves them, and he uh, essentially we get what can what's really well detailed actually in in wrestling with shadows so if you haven't yes. seen that documentary yeah, that's, that's really really good th- that um unintentionally i think uh kind of um catalogs everything that went on after the match went down mm. yeah definitely you, you get you know obviously everyone's aware that Vince gets hit by, by Brett because he has a black eye as well. And, so, uh, and you can see those, him hobbling, can't you, in the corridor uh, on Wrestling With Shadows. But e- even leading up to that, there's um, there's there's more drama. Brett goes backstage, essentially has a, a talk with the whole of the locker room saying, if, if Vince can do this to me, he can do this to mm. all of you. Uh, that you can hear Sworn as well, can't you, saying... My hands are clean of this one, brother, I think is the term he used, maybe. So the locker room leader, Undertaker, is pissed off at what's mm. happened. And a lot of the wrestlers uh, are actually in Brett's corner because this this wasn't the dumb thing in wrestling. No, you, of course you, not. Um, so uh, um, according to the, the stories, Undertaker went to Vince's office, who uh, Vince had locked him, um, Gerald, uh, I think there was um, Jim Ross Sergeant, was in there by this point. Sergeant Slaughter, Jim Ross, yep. all in his office. Uh, show, uh, Undertaker goes up to the door and says, you need to come out. You need to apologize to Brett. So Vince comes out, brings his cronies with him. Uh, by this time, Brett's having a shower. Um, Brett says, if you're not gone by the time I finish this shower, yeah. I'm going to knock you out. I love this because he literally, according to the stories, he literally goes back in and finishes his shower, mm-hmm. comes back out and gets dressed very calmly and collectively. I mean, it's just it's just class. Does his boots up, packs his stuff up, stands up, punches the guy. To have that control, to finish your shower, get yourself dressed and everything first, oh, that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, and, and not only that, apparently, uh, uh, according to stories, he, uh, Vince also had a, a sprained ankle mm. because of the punch. Uh, but other kind people of fell saying, over himself, didn't he? Sort of thing. Yeah. Apparently. Other people uh, uh, said that it's because Gerald stood on Vince's foot whilst he was getting hit, uh, which led to the the sprain. But yeah, essentially, Shawn Michaels uh, pretended he wasn't uh, involved when he massively, massively oh, was. was. <laughs> um, Vince took a punch on the chin. He then also uh, was facing a mutiny with the with the rest of the locker room. Um, so he went after Brett had left the arena. He spoke with the locker room and said, Brett was going to go with the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he wasn't willing to do business. Um, uh, whether that's true or whether that's false, we're probably never going to, uh, get to the, the root of the, the, the truth. Um, everyone's going to have their own kind of version of it. Uh, but to stave off a, a mutiny, which actually included, uh, Jim Nadar and Bulldog leaving the company. Owen attempting to leave the company, but his contract was watertight, so he couldn't leave. Mick Foley quit the company. For one um, day. 
for for one day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, according to Brett, uh, he spoke with Mick and said that's career suicide. Do not come back to WCW. Um, which kind of taught Mick round. Rick Rude, who was actually in the uh, part of DX, he mm. left the company in disgust. Yeah, uh, and that led he rang to, Bischoff uh, from the arena in Montreal, didn't he? Apparently, yeah, and that Bischoff match, actually yeah. he mentioned it on the the, the next night's um, Nitro and mm. what had happened um, backstage, which he, if he didn't have uh, Rude calling, he wouldn't have known what had been what had gone on. Um, but Rude showed up on on Raw, which had already been pre-taped, and he then showed up on Nitro on the very same night. Clean shaven, which is yeah. I think is absolutely brilliant. But yeah, this uh a lot of people were were quite rightly pissed off with how uh this went down from both sides, from uh, both uh, how Brett's attitude was. Um there's there's a lot of people uh who who think he should have been more willing to drop the title. Uh and then there's people who were in uh, firmly in the camp of um the, the screw job was was absolutely not the right way to go. Um, mm. A lot of people have their opinions on it, um, and like I said, I don't think we're ever going to get any kind of definitive clarity about no. what went on and who knew what. It's always going to be in that kind of like rumor and innuendo um, uh, bracket, I suppose. But it makes for very very interesting uh, research about just how grammy the world of wrestling actually yeah. is yeah definitely so i mean i suppose if you want to talk in factual s- scenarios i guess um with regards to people that knew uh, as far as i could make out that we know knew uh obviously sean knew mm-hmm. obviously triple h and vince obviously knew they were both mm-hmm. aware gerald briscoe had to know yep um, uh, i don't know those are the only guys who realistically we know for sure actually knew because there's um, so many different contradicting stories. I mean, Cornette says he found out this, he found out that. And then you've got people saying, well, no, Cornette wasn't at that meeting. Russo says he suggested the idea. Of course he bloody did, bro. Yeah, but, but then, then people Cor- Cornette have said he suggested the idea. Yeah. I mean, again, this is something that in, in that 10 day period building up to the survivor series, when they were offering Brett all these different ideas and finishes and Brett was just not, being helpful not not playing ball at all um apparently the list i've made a list here of, of the, the names that i sort of wherever we got this is where the bits of paper get on my nerves magsy because i want to find the right <laughs> one um people suggesting to vince and this is other people collaborate other people corroborating sorry that these people did suggest this vince russo bruce pritchard triple h jim Cornette, pat patterson all in front of other people who have witnesses to state that they suggested to Vince, if he won't do business, then we do business for him. Screw it. Mm-hmm. Vince always apparently responded with, no, 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 we've got to find another way to do it. So all of those people in front of other people did suggest the screw job, but was always, but they were all Russo, Pritchard, Triple H, Cornet, and Patterson were all told, no, we're not doing that. Eventually it did happen, obviously. I suppose to summarise then, Magsy, because we've gone on a long time tonight, and I want to say thank you to everyone who's still in the chat and still still with us, you know, sticking with us through these two big topics. And it's really interesting I mean, conversation now I mean, as well. You, you could have easily watched the whole of the pay-per-view and be on the main <laughs> event right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, we massively appreciate you. To, to summarise, Magsy, 
where do you stand before before I give my thoughts? Where do you stand on what happened with Montreal, the screw job? Who was in the right, if anyone? Who was in the wrong, if anyone? Do you have any sort of final thoughts to sort of go along with it? You know, it, it, it's it's really hard to have a, a definitive opinion on it because there's so much of it that is up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I, I think there's there's not a lot of people in this who come out uh, smelling of roses. No, um, no, I agree. In, in terms of the actual screw job, horrific way to do business. No doubt about it. Uh, was it infamous? Are we still talking about it now? Has it give us uh, loads and loads of uh, of content? Uh, absolutely. But the way uh, of screwing over uh, such a servant to your company, um, especially when it was your doing and giving them a contract that you couldn't afford that that led to this this kind of breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, n- the the screw job is absolutely horrific. That being said. Um, Brett could have done more, I suppose, in terms of playing um, playing the game, in terms of dropping yeah, the title. Exactly. Um, I understand his issue with not wanting to drop it uh, with, with to Sean. Uh, obviously, that had been a very personal uh, and and very kind of um, deep rivalry that they they'd had for for a number of years. It was hatred, wasn't it? They despised each other. Yeah, but he was offered other alternatives, dropping it to mm-hmm. different wrestlers, Sid. dropping it in, in different places. Um, I think him uh, having this um, kind of this kind of uh, deep-rooted opinion of not losing on Canadian soil was a, a little bit um, almost childish, I want to say. Um, yeah, yeah, I can get on that. Because how many times do we see uh, wrestlers now uh, when they have a hometown match they're the ones that usually put somebody else over. They're mm. normally the ones that that, that lose. And I, I think sometimes Brett believed so hard in the world of wrestling that that he he kind of mixed the kayfabe and the reality yeah. up to a point where where he didn't know which was which. Um, so uh, in terms of who is um, who is in the wrong here, I think. Everybody is in the wrong to different degrees. Um, for for me, the probably the worst in the wrong are, are the lacks of Vince, the lacks of Shawn Michaels, uh, the the very surreptitious attitudes of Triple H, who who seemed very snaky at the time. Especially if you watch that that Wrestling with Shadows documentary, where mm-hmm. he's he's uh, swearing that he had nothing to do with it, when in reality he was one of the main kind of people who was pushing for for the screw job. Well, he was um, he was on that list of people I read out who suggested it. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> people, have, exactly. people have said I was in the room. So, uh, so I think the the least um, the the least that wrong would be Brett. Uh, because he didn't know what was going on in terms of the screw job, but he could have also played ball a little bit yeah. better in terms of dropping the towel. So there's nobody in the right. It's just more matters of who is it the most in the wrong, I suppose. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, I suppose, sort of briefly, my last thoughts summarising the, the Montreal screw job in general. <sighs> Brett and Sean both acted like a pair of dicks for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think if Brett and Sean 
weren't act- and they're both as bad as Sean was a piece of shit I'm, I'm a huge Sean Michaels fan everyone knows this but Sean at this time was a piece of shit he was difficult to work with he was manipulative he would politic his way around he was a vile character however Brett didn't cover himself in glory either in the way he behaved it takes two to have an argument you know, it's not it's not just Shawn Michaels going at Brett. Brett was doing the same back. Brett caused issues by not getting the super kick in. Brett Brett caused other problems as well that we've already covered in in the in the big description we've given of the whole scenario build. And if 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 you want to go back and listen to anything else, this, there's plenty of podcasts out there by the likes of Russo, Cornette, Jim Ross, Bruce Pritchard, all these guys that I think if you listen to all of them, the truth lies somewhere in the middle of the four, maybe from the different stat viewpoints. But I think everyone, Magsy, I agree with you. Everyone is at fault here. I think the biggest culprit is Vince McMahon, because if he was maybe a little bit more savvy with regards to the contract he was offering out, a little bit more savvy with regards to the timeline going towards the contract expiring, getting the belt off Brett before this even became a problem, you know, this whole thing probably could have been avoided. Brett could have left without an issue because the championship wasn't on him. Mm-hmm. It, it's as simple as that. He didn't need to wait to get down to the last two, three weeks to, to, to suddenly realise, oh shit, I've got a problem. He could have had the belt off Brett at the beginning of October. Yeah, it's as simple as that. You know, they are aware yeah. his contract was expiring in October. Well, I, I think they you had them. I think they had the meeting um, to discuss his contract on the first of November, which is. Um, that's the the meeting where Vince confirmed that he couldn't afford Brett. Uh, yeah, he, okay. But so at the same time, that, the same that, time leaves, if, that leaves him eight days to yeah, but, to come up with with something. At the same time, why have you left it that late? Well, if you know this guy's contract is running out, even if you're not sure if you can well, afford I, it or it, not, well, why it, take the risk? Get the not, belt, get the belt off him. It's Simple not that. that it's not that his contract was running out. It, it was cl- he clearly had 19 years left on his mm. contract. No, no, that, um, okay, that's what I mean. It was, it was at that point, you know, where Vince knew he had to, make had to do something. Yeah. yeah, why not get the belt off him first, then go and speak to him? Why put the belt on him in the first place? Exactly, exactly. So was, I think, I think Sean, I think, I think Vince is the biggest culprit here because he's yeah. made, he's made this scenario happen between and, two and, guys. And, who, and not only that, and um, and I want to give a, a shout out to. Um, Eric Beeston from What Culture, who I've used uh, quite a lot of his uh, of his writings for um, for the research that I've used. Um, but he he d- did a, a really good writing for this. I, I implore you to to go out and uh, look it up. Uh, really goes more in depth than we've got in, and we've mm-hmm. done we've done an hour about this. Um, but he he essentially finishes his uh, his article kind of uh, proportionate in blame. And he says, um, essentially, that history will treat Montreal um, as if it was about uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and their personal and professional rivalry, mm-hmm. when in reality, this is all about Vince McMahon and how he failed as a leader, yeah. um, where he he would uh, allow uh, wrestlers to use uh, their stroke and their politicking, uh, as well as playing one wrestler 
off another wrestler telling one wrestler one thing, but then talking to another wrestler about another thing. As a as a leader of a company, he failed in his job to to do the best for the for the workers. Um, ironically, it led to some of the the most profitable wrestling that is is had. But yeah, it, essentially, this was about this wasn't about Hart versus Michaels. This was about McMahon failing as the as the owner of a company. Yeah, that, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Saying that Vince is, has the most blame on his head, I guess he is the biggest culprit here in the build-up to this happening. But they got to a point where this happening was inevitable. Sean is a piece of crap. We know that. As much as I love the guy, he's my favorite wrestler of all time. He was a piece of shit. He behaved in a disgusting way, which added to the tension, of course. But I think it's very easy here. And I don't want to come across like I'm picking on Bret Hart. That's not the case at all. Being screwed in this way is is horrible it's a terrible thing to have happened to anyone. However, this feeling some people have that Brett is a victim and not to be blamed or has less blame on him than other people and so on. I don't get on with at all. I put Brett right in the mix of this as well. He had the opportunity to play ball. He had the opportunity. Yes. Okay. He's got this creative control clause, but Brett cites about how the traditions of the wrestling business are so important to him. You do business on the way out. That's the way it's always been. That's why it's always been you do business on the way out. It's a really famous saying. So Brett should have done business on the way out. Not losing to Sean in Canada when that was the plan all along. If he was going to stay, that was the initial plan, that he was going to lose to Sean in Canada anyway. Again, I'm playing my creative control card. Where we heard that before? Brother. Mm-hmm. And Brett's a huge critic of how Hogan politicked his way around in different scenarios. Correct. Sean, sorry, Brett is doing exactly the same thing as what he criticizes hulk hogan for also in the mean also a couple of little other bits that add up as well along the way in 91 when brett was the intercontinental champion he was negotiating with vince with with wcw he was offered more money in 91 to go to wcw but hadn't realized that that his contract had automatically rolled on correct and so he had to stay that's when he, we got the, um, he had a 121 degree temperature and he lost mm-hmm. uh, the mounter. That yes. was because he he uh, had contract dealings with WCW, had agreed a contract with him, uh, but then had to uh, renew with WCW because his contract yeah, had, had renewed. It hit Vin- a clause that made it roll on for another, I think it was another 18 months or 12 months, wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah. Um, so Vince essentially stripped him of the title, uh, gave him some time to kind of like, um, um, think it through, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually they had, had uh, uh, talks. And Vince promised that that Brett was going to be the future of the company. And a year down the line, he was uh, he was the the top dog. So, so Brett yeah. is isn't the innocent kind of um, no no the person who's always had wrong done to him. Um, That's what he, I'm trying to get at. Yeah, he, he's very much he's very much. <laughs> In that scenario in 91, he was going to leave. He was going to walk out, whether he was champion or not. That was mm-hmm. his plan. Well, so as he, t- he, he, had, he was previous, the champion. Yeah, he, he was the he was going to the champion. leave as champion. Yeah. He has previous in this scenario, in, in virtually the same sort of scenario, really. You also got to think as well about the whole wrestling with shadows scenario. Okay, that documentary is fantastic. And if you've not seen it, I completely agree with Magsy. Go and watch it. It's fantastic. Take it all with a pinch of salt because it is very much filmed from the behind Bret Hart's shoulder 
aspect. So yeah, it looks well, a certain that, way. That, but, that's what it was meant to be. It was meant to yes. be like almost like a, yes. a documentary of uh, Brett's, a year in the life of Brett in the WF. Mm-hmm. It was right. just by, more by luck than judgment that they caught what would have been the biggest um, biggest incident of his, of yeah, his career. Yeah. They also, however, caught a private meeting between Vince and Brett sitting down to have a one-to-one chat privately. Everyone else was told to leave. All the agents, uh, even Patterson wasn't allowed in the room. Everyone was told to get out. Brett wore a wire and recorded that private conversation. So let's be clear here. Brett Hart is far from a victim or Mr. Innocent here. Bret Hart made a rod for his own back. Bret Hart proved in the past he probably wasn't trustworthy. So saying I'm going to turn up on Raw with the championship and vacate it. Vince created this scenario. Sean's behaviour added the spice by being a dick. And I think Bret's own past actions made him untrustworthy. Yeah, and that's kind and, of, I and, think, where and, we get to with Montreal, Max. And not only Brett's actions, the actions of other wrestlers who had left the company on bad terms. Um, the 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 Medusa stuff, for instance, where a WF title was on the enemy's shore and thrown in the bin. The mm-hmm. last thing, I mean, uh, women's wrestling was in the toilet back then anyway. So uh, even though that, that was uh, massively controversial, it would have been infinitely worse if it was the top belt from yeah. the WWF being thrown away um, in 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 on natural. It would have been horrific. What a moment that would have been, though. Yeah, and and you know, at that time, Bischoff would have been all about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the, at, now Bischoff says he wouldn't have done it because he's already been Bollocks. sued once. But I don't believe him, mate. I don't believe yeah. him. Anyway, he would have done that. Magsy, we gotta go. We gotta go. It's two hours forty minutes into the show, my friend. My wife probably wants to come to bed. This is where she <laughs> sleeps right behind me. So uh, very quickly, we need to rate the match itself out of ten, mm-hmm. and then give our links for next week, bud. Okay. So uh, the way we do it is we rate the match and not necessarily all the the shenanigans around it. Um, so in terms of a wrestling match, this is not not bad, but it's not brilliant. No. Uh, it's very, very basic. It's a brawl, essentially. Um, so if you're taking that uh, match in its uh, in its singularity, a six, maybe, I'd go mm. with. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm roughly the same. I think I wrote six, I mean, I wrote six and a half to seven. So I think, yeah, six and a half is probably a fair, mm-hmm. a fair thing there. So, yeah, not the best, but still entertaining enough. There's enough there for you to not just skip to the finish if you watch it back, I guess, yeah. is the best way of looking at it. And it's not mm-hmm. it, it's not Okada Omega, but there's enough there, Mags, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So where do you want to go next week? Well, I'm actually interested in keeping this this uh, this trainer rolling, uh, going to see what happens further on down the line. So uh, after this uh, match, I think Sean defends the title at um, D-Generation X, the pay-per-view. Yes. Um, is that against Ken Shamrock, I believe? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. But the next kind of major storyline is 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 the passing the torch on to someone who will become the 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 face of the company for the next few years. That's uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he had had a a kind of rising prominence all the way through ni- the end of '96, all the way through 1997. Um, but it was really in 1998 where he became yeah. the the huge huge star. Uh, and it started with him um, winning the 1998 Royal Rumble. 
Um, so I actually want to go to that. I want to go to watch the the nineteen ninety eight Royal Rumble where oh, wow. uh, Austin uh, wins the match uh, and eventually will will go on to WrestleMania fourteen to um, to dethrone Shawn Michaels and end this this reign of tyranny. See, that's that's funny because I've put a rumble up on the options before, and my main thought was, how brilliant is that going to be? going the week after with so many different ways you can 30 different blokes and different oh yeah and that's a great rumble as well i really because austin's just an absolute star at this time isn't he he's yeah he's just amazing yeah absolutely brilliant okay i mean very quickly before i get to mine my wife there in the chat saying i do as in she wants to go to bed sharon i'm really sorry that we've gone on long um love you a bit really 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 appreciate you tolerating mags and i talking about fake fighting in your bedroom for so long <laughs> um you you are a star we yes. appreciate you with this show well, we say it all the time this show wouldn't happen without, without my wife kicking me at the arse and helping me this side of the screen so um my link i it's probably the proudest link i've ever done mags the one i'm most proud of because of how i've got to the match that i wanted to get to oh here we go okay convoluted right but it all does make sense I had a conversation online with various people, yourself included, about Lex Luger and saying Lex Luger at one stage <sighs> did have good wrestling matches, 88, 89, couple in 87. He had some good wrestling matches. And I also had a conversation and got call, called old in the Radio Techers chat group um, for liking Barry Windham or being a bit, of a bit of a Windham fan. So what I would like to do is the link of Degeneration X Ravishing Rick Rude. Rick Rude, as discussed on Bang Bang podcast uh, this week, Rick Rude wrestled at Clash of the Champions 21 and had Hiro Matsuda ringside as a judge in a match there. Okay. I'm going to take that of Matsuda being ringside and say Matsuda was also ringside at the Chai Tang Rumble event in 1989 where Lex Luger wrestled Barry Windham. And that's my link. Rick Rude, Clash 21, Hiro Matsuda ringside, Hiro Matsuda ringside at Tritane Rumble, Lex Luger versus Barry Windham. It got loads of stars. It was really looked at as, at the time, Luger's best in-ring performance and 89 is probably just past his peak Barry Windham but great Barry Windham and I want to watch some good wrestling Luger okay. Windham Chai Time Rumble 89 so yeah so tune in next week for when we cover the 998 Royal Rumble yes. then yep no one's voting <laughs> for Luger give it a go honestly <laughs> wrestling didn't start in 1997 okay people it's <laughs> right Magsy I suppose we need to get out of here my friend so yes. oh, I'll very quickly run through the options again apologies my bad um your options are Lex Luger versus Barry Windham, Chai Tone Rumble, 1989. Uh, yeah, Dan Griffin, definitely voting for the Rumble. There we go. Look at this. It's good Luger, but most importantly, it's great Barry Windham. That's the main thing. Uh, the Royal Rumble, 1998, or Luger versus Windham, 1989. Those are your options. Uh, yeah, Sai losing. I'm getting slaughtered in the chat. Can I change? Have we got time for me to change? <laughs> <laughs> he, he now picks the 1997 Rumble. Yeah, 97 Rumble. No, that's it. Those are your options. The, will be, the poll will be up uh, on Twitter. 
So when the audio podcast comes out middle of the week, sort of time-ish, look out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and so on. Magsy, where can everybody find you? So you can find me down here um, at Podfather Mags. Um, and in terms of content, I'm all over the shop, heavily involved here on Radio Techers with uh, with the football and, and UFC. So uh, definitely give us a, a, a sub and, and click the notification bell. Um, in terms of other stuff, I do a changing attitude, uh, which is over on uh, the chair shot. And I alluded to a little uh, announcement regarding um, our Kent-based uh Buddha, Scottish Danny. <laughs> um, so Tanner is taking a little bit of a break away from uh, Chain Netter. He's got some real life uh, is- issues uh, going on in terms of like moving and jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. So he, he, it's unfair for him to um, be able to dedicate the time for, for recording. Um, so we've drafted in uh, a couple of people to help kind of steer the ship in his in absence and uh scottish danny is uh is one of them and he'll be on an episode in the next couple of weeks uh where we're talking about the uh the 1996 survivor series uh, that'll be his, uh, ah, his cool. debut on the uh change attitude podcast so i'll listen out for that that's a great event as well we're also doing a, a live watch along of it this Sunday on on Radio Techers, and then uh, obviously we'll be speaking to to Danny post post fact and and um and 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 getting his views and opinions on the show as well. So yeah, so definitely check that out. Yeah, that's going to be great. Really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. Okay, you can find uh, well my stuff as well. SJP is part of Radio Techers. Uh, the Waiting Room Quantum Leap podcast I do with Benny Mack is part so of Radio good. Techers. That, oh, thanks, that, mate. I appreciate that. It, that really needs way more love because um, it's done great numbers. Don't get me wrong. In terms of people listening, it's it's absolutely hitting out of the park, but it deserves way, way more. It's You two have great chemistry, and it's um, such a good subject as well. So definitely go and check out The Waiting Room. No, I appreciate that, mate. Thank you. Yeah. You can find all of that via at Radio Techers, or you can follow me where there's links of... Um, links to all my stuff at SJP Words, but most importantly, you can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, that TikTok thingamy, and most importantly, Twitter at chain underscore wrestling. This has been the longest episode of chain wrestling so far. It has been a mammoth uh discussion about what makes you angry and the Montreal screw job. I have had a bloody fantastic time thank you so so much to everyone who got involved on twitter in the chat magsy thank you so much again mate because i always enjoy just talking wrestling with you bud oh thank you very much and again i have to reiterate what you said that this show would be nothing without the people in the chat the people on twitter the people on facebook who, who really uh help make this show what it is uh we know it's been a long one and we appreciate you all sticking around and 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 being involved um apologies again to to sharon uh you can go to bed in the next couple of minutes uh but yeah <laughs> thank you all we we absolutely adore you we do indeed we do indeed and dan griffin lastly in the chat says you haven't explained the episode title and we're not gonna <laughs> keep you guessing i am now off to get a picture of donna summer and a picture of rod stewart and spend the rest of the evening wondering how i got those two people confused earlier Magsy, I'll speak to you next week, my friend. Bye-bye.